Guys, so you already seen how we started, right? This is Deep in Your Business, man. My name is Dr. Iglesias, and this is Alvaro Salim Noriega de los Hoyos. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a rosary prayer That's just right. to say your name, That's man. That's right. I thought oh, it was my the new Better keep it Latin. I thought, it, I thought it was the new Goya bean that was coming out. That's you know? right. That's coming out in season. That's hey, right. And we Go got with Michael. Season. Sorry. He has a middle name. Did you know that? Robert, Robert Casanova, bro. Can See? you believe that? Got it, got it. So, Mike, Rob, Casanova? There you go. Yeah. You Shorts, see? yeah, all the short versions. So, sir, do you feel comfortable with me calling you Mike or Rob? Whatever, man. It's all good. <laughs> no, all no, hey, guys, good. so this is going to be an interesting podcast, and I'm going to tell you why it's interesting. We're going to be interviewing a Mexican that went over the wall. When I say he went over the wall, it's not the Trump wall. We're talking about the trials and tribulations in his life. I mean, this guy has been through so much. You got to hear his story. Man, enough said, man. Alvaro, did I just call him Alvaro, yeah, bro? You do. That's right. I used to have long hair, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Speaking with him Salvador and Alvaro sounds the same. So, hey, 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 Salvador. Hold on, hold on. Before we get going, come on. I got a little story I got to share. Here we go. Because you said the word Mexican. Ah. Crazy story. <laughs> Crazy story. Crazy story. Just, just, just bear with me. Just bear Sorry. with me. I even grunted, bro. <laughs> just bear with me. Oh goodness gracious. So over the winter break, uh -huh. um got into littleancestry.com. Hmm. So I always figured I never knew where Casanova came from. So I'm looking down and I'm found and I'm a mattress. Shout out to ancestry.com. Like we're waiting for that sponsorship. Yeah, right. So, you know, I look down a tree and I'm, I'm feeding stuff and looking to the trees to treat. And all of a sudden, my great great grandparents were Mexican. What? I'm 15% Mexican. <laughs> and believe it or not, that is awesome. <laughs> believe it or not, there are like my grandfather. Yeah. He was as white as Mike. Really? Mm -hmm. How do you rejoice? Like when he said that, it's like. <laughs> Like, how would you rejoice? Well, I mean, I noticed he's wearing the button-up shirt, you know, the button-up hat. I mean, that's like a California thing, you know. And so I don't know if he's trying to, you know, combine his his youth pastorness with inner cholo. With you know, cholo, I gotta reach but, but, but he don't wear, but he don't have the dickies, and he got on. No, the, I, don't. I don't. As I call him, the I youth gotta, he got the youth pastor fours on. So you know. I got I got the Mexican and then the white. You know, it's okay. But you know. Okay. You're vibrant though, and believe it or not, a lot of Mexicans wear vibrant colors that 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 stick out as opposed. See, I'm to I'm learning the, my culture right now. As opposed to like just, culture. I mean, not only just that, but I mean, you know, we're a lively, you know, culture with colors that are bright, not somber, and, and like black and white. You know, I'm just saying. You know, like red and yellow, and you know, yeah, like you just know, start picking them up. Godzilla, you know, type of stuff. You so, know? bro, I like Godzilla, man. What's Godzilla? <laughs> you mentioned your grandfather. Um, did you get to meet him? My parents, my father's grandparents, were the grandparents that I was close to. Okay. Um, so I've known them all my life until he passed away in 2010, and my grandmother, um, in 2004. Oddly enough, and I think it's kind of a romantic story. She passed away December. It's death, but still, just stick with it. 
So she passed away December 21st, 2004 is when I found out. He passed away December 22nd, 2010. So my a lot of members in my family believe that he waited one more day before he passed. Oh, so he had a choice in his death, not I, God? I'm not sure. No, I'm not. I'm sure that he's wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you, God is the one that writes the day that you were born, and he writes the day you're going to leave Earth. But I, just, I get it. Like I guess. the family, they believe yeah. that it was kind of romantic that, you know, he died the day after. Again, weird. I don't know. I'm just sticking with that. All I know is I enjoy the memories that I had. Like, I remember... Did they, did they uh, do a Day of the Dead or what is it? Day of the Muertos? Yeah. yeah. Muertos, yeah. While a lot of Mexicans do it, I never per se, my family has ever did it. And if they, you know, get like the cool skull tattoo, it's because of maybe of recent, you know, of recent history, maybe. And this is before the movie Coco. But, you know, I've noticed, you know, if they have any of those type of tattoos, it's probably either because mid 2000s, whatever, if it was, through wrestling or through just the that culture because see that you don't really hear too much mexicans on this side not to say that they're not when you say this side of the wall no like on this side of, of the united states because you know when most folks think of mexicans yeah i'm always either asked so are you from texas or from yeah, california, california right, from, from right. florida yeah okay you know and i grew up in a different environment that didn't necessarily my mom she didn't want us to be like those Mexicans that were Catholic and have to pray, you know, with rosary beads and, you know, do like this. The, the stereotypical and yeah. thing, you know. And mm. like, believe it or not, maybe I was ignorant to it. Not ignorant to it, but as a child, I always thought those things were foolish. I'm like, why are you talking to some guy with a with a white ring around his neck in a black suit? Like, if you talk to God, why don't you just talk to him? But, you know... Not like I said, and no disrespect to anyone who believes in that, you right. know. Rather, if you're wrong or right, that's not for me to say. I got way too many things I've done wrong to be trying to point a finger at anybody else. So but, let me ask you: um, growing up, being Mexican, what did you you grew up in Hialeah or no? No, what? I'm from Belglade. Okay, I'm from Belglade, Florida. Okay, um, moved here to Miami when I was 15. Living in Belglade, like I said, the environment that I grew up in was a predominantly black, white, Mexican, and Arabic um, community. Oh, wow. It's agriculture, you know, it's mostly known for agriculture. Mm. You know, sugar cane. They got a lot of cane fields out there. Literally, I can name the, if it's still the same way now, because the last time I went to Belglade was in 2021 when my aunt passed away. Um, So that was the last time I've been there. But if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the, like, the fast food restaurants are on literally one main street. Oh wow! So like, yeah, if I can rem- if I can remember it correctly, yeah. the funeral home, discount auto parts, McDonald's, Taco Bell, the bank, Pizza Hut, KFC, what used to be a Dunkin' Donuts, but I think it's something else now. Days Inn Hotel, Burger King, Winditsy Plaza, Popeyes, something else, and that's it. So when you close your eyes, were you calling I'm the in, dead? Were, no, oh, I'm, envi- oh. I'm envisioning it how I remember oh, it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. How I remember it. Like I said, it's been a while since I've been out that way. And truthfully, I mean, yes, I still have friends and few family members that still live out there, but I don't got the time to be going to visit there nowadays. You know, it'll literally have to be a 
take a day where all right, either I'm bringing my kids with me so they can see where I grew up at, or I'm just going down there to visit and my wife take care of the um of my children. Did well, you yeah, get into fights? Yes, yeah. and the only reason why I have long hair now, I'm not ashamed of my scars, but I wanted to grow my hair out. But if I was bald like Serge, you would see 36 scars. The biggest one that I have on the biggest one that I have on this side of my head, um, my sister gave to me. We used to get into fights a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bunch of them Simple too. Fights. But but yes, over right. there, um, back back in the early nineties, um, in like in the mid eighties, early nineties, blacks and Mexicans didn't like each other, so they would get into a lot of fights. And because of that, I too, even though I never had nothing against black people at all, you know. That's just how the environment was back then. It's not that way now, but it, it is a lot worse out there because of the crime and things of that nature. And had I would have still been living there, I don't think I would be here sitting with you guys conversating at all. I would be the statistic that, you know, is mostly a lot for people in Belglade who don't make it out playing football or like doing sports or something. I would have been one of those that wouldn't have made it to C18 or I wouldn't have made it to 25. Or if I did make it to 18 or 25, I'd be locked up in the prison that's over there or probably have five, six baby mamas running around. So what's, what mm -hmm. was the expectation when you were growing up? Because that's very interesting. Uh, I'm from Medellin, Colombia. And then, you know, my friends either became soccer players or they became drug dealers. So it was just one out of two. And then, you know, my my life expectancy, from my perspective, it was like 30 years old. So all of my friends would always die like 28, 26, 30. You know, what, well, let, what was your expectation? Well, well, let me ask you, was it a bit, was it like a little small community? Like, no, like, was it a small community or was it like somewhere? Because well, I, don't, I don't know where in Colombia you said that is. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like a little rural town a little a little no, campo like or Medellin is a city like there's there's three main cities in so Colombia it's a, so it's a major city like Miami yeah 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 so it's a metropolis like yeah. see I I don't I wouldn't know that because see I came from something small okay where but if what I want I, if I wanted to come to but my, what I mean is this I it wasn't like the the city itself it yeah, was the environment the, the like environment, my, my right. friends my friends would get into drug dealing and then you would see them driving like a really nice car well, and like motorcycles and stuff and you're like man where did you come up with that money okay, bro cuz so, like you were just like me so what happened and then a couple years later they would they would be dead so to answer that because again I moved <clears throat> to Miami when I was 15 I was already becoming a teenager and in my youth want to say I was in seventh grade. Um, there was this gentleman by the name of Mr. Desmond who would um, who goes to, who's with the Church First Baptist Church of Belglade. He would always go to the schools and have Bible study, and he would always bring cookies and juice. So that was the way to get me to go to it because I would stay, and then at the end I would eat the cookies and juice. <laughs> you know, all right, sacrifice about 30, 40 minutes here. Here's some Bible talk. Get, get some juice and cookies at the end of it. Cool. Little did I realize that was God's way. Okay, that's how I'm going to get you. And then I, I'm the one that made the decision because I went to church when I was little. And then we stopped going for whatever reason. We just stopped going. But that was kind of like the spark that got me into going to church. And I was going by myself and I would go to the youth 
go to youth service and then you know things of like that and then my family would come again with me and like for easter and stuff but i was starting to go back and be involved in that and then 2003 was a a very a very weird year because and that's when the family pretty much started to separate and i was living in belglade i finished my ninth grade year at glade central community high school and then in the summer i went from living in montura ranch um, it's a little bit past Clouston, almost reaching LaBelle. That's, I, that's what I was taking, um, in my head because a couple of years ago I was in Clouston and they had a bunch of like sugar cane. So is yeah. that, is that close that, by? That, um, Clouston to Belgrade is like 20 minutes away. I oh, live, I live cool. there. I live there too. So this, I'm about to bounce back around for a second. So I moved there. Then I moved to Palm Beach and then for a month I was living in Rio Rancho, New Mexico and then moved back. But when I came back, I was I was already like a month not being in school and school just started. Okay. So DCF sent my mom a letter saying that if he don't enroll me in school, they're going to take the state's going to take me. Oh, wow. So these two gentlemen that I knew growing up ended up being my legal guardians. Um, If you was to ever look at them from the outside, you would be like, they look, you know, they don't look like someone who would be fit to take care of me. And yet these two gentlemen I hold in high regard because They allowed me to live in their house. They took care of me as if I was their nephew. But why and Why did they take you in? Because they loved my mom. They used to work with my mom and my mom trusted them. Oh, so your mom worked too much and that's no, why? No, no, because at the time when we came back here to Florida okay. from New Mexico, right. we didn't have nowhere to stay. So my mom was living with my dad down here in Miami until they were finding a house. Got so it. for the time being, I needed to be in school enrolled. So they entrusted, they made me, they made them my legal guardians. Okay. Mm. So then I lived in Clouston. And then the end of December, December 15th, 2003, 5.35 was when I touched down to Miami. And I was like, this is actually, I'm living here. I'm not here visiting. Mm -hmm. This is me living here now. So, but a lot of things happened along the way at, at, a, 50, at, a, at living at, at 15. I'm seeing a lot of stuff and, And going through a lot, but I, even before then, I was already pre—I was already almost predestined to not even be here. Like my the way how I was conceived, if um if I remember correctly, the way that my mom told me the story was, my dad came home one night while they were still married, nonetheless. But still, you take this for what you want to take it. He came home, was angry with my mom. He raped my mom in front of his mom. Wait, and wait. He raped your mom in front of his mom? What do you mean? He raped my mom in front of his mom. Wow. Which is my grandma. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, you know, that was the, that was the story that my mom told me. And again, this was back in the 80s. And my mom, all of us, me, my two brothers and my sister, we all came out C-section. Okay. So the the medical advances wasn't as advanced as it is today. Where yeah. if you have a C if a woman yeah has a, a C section today is not what it was yeah. before. So right. back right. then when she found out she was pregnant with me, the doctors told her that either she was gonna have to abort me, or that she would die and I was gonna die anyways. So during the pregnancy with me, my mom would only eat soup and she wore like a a waistband around her or, or waist like I think one of those. Something uh, we call it in Spanish a faja. So she wore a faja around y'all Spanish, and I'm telling you, but still for the 
for the viewer that's viewing this that yeah. don't know what a faja is, a waistband. Yeah. Anyway, she wore that. It's like a girdle. It's yeah, like a girdle, girdle type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So she wore that while she was pregnant with me. And then I think I was two months before. I didn't make full term. So when I was born, I weighed four pounds, eight ounces. So I was a preemie. Okay. Oh, wow. And yeah, was, in, was in NICU for a few months. And they even told me then that they didn't think that I was going to make it. Mm. Because they said my mom, my mom tried to hold me. There was no way for her to hold me without wrapping me in a lot of blankets to hold me. Because you were like super little. Okay. So, although my daughter, she was born full term. My youngest daughter, she was six pounds, 14 ounces, but she turned out fine. But anyways, again, this was back in 88. And I'm just going off of what I was told. So even then, it would always seem like something was bound to happen to me. Or that it seemed like something was going to happen to me, but I knew that God had a purpose for me. And I'm just to continue to prove people wrong. You but know, let me let me ask you a question in regards to what you were saying before. You know, that happened between your mom and your and your dad. Now let me ask you, what was their relationship before? Are you are you the firstborn? I'm or? the la I'm the last child. And how many how many kids are you guys? Four. Okay. I have an older brother who's eight years older than me. I have a other brother that's four years older than me, and I have a sister who's a year older than me. Okay, and then and then he how was they? He used to beat her. He used to beat her. But I, I would see police reports that Detective Rodriguez showed me, who used to work for the Palm Beach um, Sheriff's Office, who would show me the reports how my dad used to beat my mom. And one incident, one report that I saw was he took her to the cane fields and he um, was dunking her head in the, um, in one of the canals. And was telling her she was gonna die, and he left her there. She ended up hitchhiking back into town. Uh, and the beginning of the relationship was always like traumatic, like that. I that I would have to ask my mom. And my okay. dad, I just only know about the beatings. Cause and then I, when I was born, my dad took a liking to me. I guess because I either looked like him or I was the baby, or whatever. But um, you know, apparently my oldest brother used to get beat. My other brother got beat to the point where he had um my dad I think one time broke his like literally busted his mouth and broke his all his teeth and he had to have like caps put on you know by the time it got to me though I never saw that I mean he probably if I if I was running around you know just being you know like a kid he probably smacked me or something but I never recall that as far as as to my memory he always used to call me his piggly wiggly which was my family nickname And that's what he would always call me. He always took a liking to me. So let me ask you, was your dad like, was it more alcohol induced or, or drug abuse? I mean, I mean he did a, he did so many things. So it, it could be a plethora of, of whatever, you know, it could be a combination of it all. To be honest, I wouldn't know. I know I used to always see him smoke Winston cigarettes and drink Budweiser beer. That's what I remember as I became like maybe nine, 10. But this was after they were already divorced and separated. Mm. You know, anything that happened before, I just go off of stories that either my brother, my two brothers, or my mom would tell me, or a detective would tell me. Those are the only four people that I could be able to find out information from. And and how was your relationship with your mom? Like I was mama boy. Yeah. Mama's still, you're boy. still living with mama, huh? I moved back down here to Miami a few years ago because she was in bad health. So I relocated my family back down here. And it ended up just being, you know, ended up being beneficial for all of us, you know, finance-wise. So, 
Good man. Mm-hmm. So your dad now he's a, he's he's in prison. He's in prison now, mm-hmm. serving six consecutive life sentences. Oh wow. wow. When did he get arrested and why? From what I remember, March eighth, two thousand. If that's the date correctly, and I only remember that day because I remember if you look in your um calendars, if you look March eighth, I think that was a Monday. My mom picked me up from uh, I was it was spring break week. I was at an aftercare program. She picked me up and she had, she picked me and my my sister up. My brother was in the car, and she told us we wasn't gonna see our dad again for a while. And they were like, oh, did he move? You know, did something happen? And I, my mom looked at me in the um, rearview mirror. The rearview mirror. And I asked her, did he get a, did he get arrested and go to jail? And she just looked at me and didn't say anything and just drove drove us mm. home. And see, the thing, the, the fond memory I have of my father, um, if I'm allowed to share real quick, and I'll try to keep it real short. Well, we don't want you to keep it real short. We want the listeners, the viewers to understand, especially if they have a, a father in prison and six consecutive life, that means he's never going to see sunlight again. Nah, so my dad picked me up from school. It was February. It was picked me up on a Thursday. I was already going to be suspended for like three days because of me being dumb. And uh, not dumb, I'll say more hard-headed. Me being hard-headed and doing what I wanted to do instead of doing the right thing. So I got suspended. My dad picked me up from school. The lady told my dad, oh, he ain't nothing but trouble. He's always getting in trouble all the time. And my dad told her, yeah, I'm going to take care of him when we get up, when when, when, when we leave and go home. I'm going to discipline him. Hmm. And when he got out, when we left out the office and got into the car, he said, that fat hmm. expletive <laughs> don't know S. And uh, I don't know if he was racist, but I know he didn't like black people. He, he, so he but, was but racist. Was, but there, but there I don't was know if he was racist, no, but yeah. you know, yeah. no, but, he, but this is he why, fit the part. Again, yeah. this is why I say this yeah. because two of his brothers were black. No, two of his brothers were killed by black people. Oh, okay. okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. So okay. he, so I don't like. I said I don't so know if he was per se racist, but he never took a liking to black people because of what the two different situations that happened with his brothers being killed. One in Detroit. And one in Belgrade. So he just never liked black people. I don't know if it was because he was just racist or if it was because of that right there. Yeah, yeah. He created he created some kind of grudge, you some know, animosity yeah. and yeah. stuff. So So when you were well, I mean you were saying you know your pro, your dad went away in two thousand. So have you had communication with him since then? Letters, yeah. talking. In two thousand two I started communicating with him when I was in the boot camp. Um, through my uncle. I would write letters to my uncle. Because at the time I was talking to a guidance counselor that was there at the boot camp. And uh, I told her straight up, hey, look, man, I miss my dad, man. Because to go back to the story of when my dad picked me up and I had a fantastic weekend with him. I remember he picked me up from school. I went home, got a change of clothes, went to my mom's job. My mom gave me some allowance money. But although she was mad at me, but she like, you know, just keep him for the whole weekend. And we went to Clouston. We went to the house. He bought some groceries. And then after that, we went to LaBelle. We ate out of Popeye's, and then we went to a county fair that was there. We had fun. Then we went back home, went to sleep. The next morning, um, he cooked breakfast. Matter of fact, what he made, he made biscuits. He made chili, potato skin, um, potato skin, uh, potato skins, and eggs. You have such a memory. And bro. then, and yeah, then, no, but see, this is why I remember that though, because 
that was my last memory of him as a free man. Yeah, of course. Oh, of course. So, that was that was the day that you so, actually enjoyed him. So yes. the, after that, then we went, then we rode to Palm Beach and we went to his brother's house, went to my uncle David's house, and then he dropped me off and then he was gone for hours. Um, he got back like at maybe two, three in the morning, and then I was at my uncle David's house, and him and his boys were drinking beer and smoking weed, and then 12 o'clock came on. We was I was watching um Beverly Hills Cop and no Beverly Hills Cop 2 and then after that at 12 o'clock on Cinemats the X-rated stuff came on so when that came on I looked at my uncle he's like don't look at me smoking boy watch TV so I started watching <laughs> so I started watching TV right. and after the 30 minutes that happened then another movie came on a regular movie came on and I was just up and then my dad got home about 2-3 in the morning went to sleep woke up that Saturday Went to this restaurant, me, my dad, my uncle, and his friend. Went to this restaurant in Palm Beach called Pegasus, had breakfast. Um, then chilled for a little bit. My uncle gave me $10. I bought two wrestling toys. And then my dad and I went back to Clues and went home. And then he made dinner. We watched a movie and then fell asleep. And then Sunday he was watching TV. And we were just chilling all day until that afternoon. He came and dropped me off to my mama's house. And he looked at me as I got out the car. He's like, boy, I want you to know that I always love you. I'm like, I love you too, Dad. I'll see you next time. And he drove off. And that was the last time I was with my father while he was still free. So do you think that he yeah. already knew that something was going to happen? And that well, was like his way to say goodbye? Again, so around that time where he was gone was when... Whatever incident was, happened? Yeah, that led him to be arrested. Okay. What led him to be arrested, it was two incidents that ended up giving him six consecutive life sentences that involved rape. Allegedly. I don't know because he says that he never did it, but still he was pled guilty for it. And um, Can you take us through? I mean, this is deep in your business. I know it's going to be a little painful, but can you tell us allegedly what he went to prison for? He went to prison um, for raping two different women. One of them, he had a gun. And the woman that he raped was pregnant. That was one of the women that he was allegedly, um, that he raped. And then the other one he took to the cane fields. Him and his cousin, in which there was a rift with my family from Michigan. Some who I've never met in my life hate me because of him. So he got because six. They, because they felt like that, um, they felt like his cousin that was with him that came down from Michigan to visit, that he, he ruined his life. So now anybody that was up there that was associated with my dad and his kids that has the last name Santoyo are enemies. And from what I was told, that was one of the reasons why my family left Belgrade in 2003. So no um, murder involved. It was just rape. Yeah. And he got six consecutive life sentences. Because he, one of them, like I said, he raped, he had a woman against kidnap. Okay. You know, state of Florida, they oh, don't play about okay, kidnap. Okay. okay. So okay. he, you know, he kidnapped her, took her to the cane fields, had a gun. And she was pregnant. Mm, okay. So, you know, you already kidnapped one person. And then now that person's pregnant with a child. Eesh. And you got a gun. I don't re recall the exact charges. But that's all I remember was that. I think he got sentenced. It's all added up. You he, know? he got sentenced in 2002. Yeah. And I remember my sixth grade teacher one time. Because apparently what he did ended up making an epi um, on an episode of America's Most Wanted. Apparently. Oh, wow. And I remember my sixth grade reading teacher, one day I came to school. It was a few months after. She connected one, the dots and no, stuff? No, she saw the episode. Oh, dude. And she called me. 
I didn't know that they ever did an episode of it. And I never oh, went, and wow. to this day, I've never went to go look for it. Mm. Um, maybe I should. But um, my teacher called me after class. Um, and she was like, hey, I need you to know <coughs> I'm here for you if you need to talk to somebody. And I didn't know what the hell she was talking yeah. about. You're you know, clueless. You're clueless about yeah, what Yeah, I, I mean, I knew that my about. dad was arrested, but I didn't know they did an episode and all of that stuff. Yeah. I was curious, like, when did you know about the Chargers? Like, when did you In 2002. And, like, how, how was your response? Think, like, how did you... Again, I was maybe 14 at the time. Yeah. I, okay, the beginning of 2002, I was, I, I went to boot camp because apparently I had a, a temper and an attitude and they thought that sending me to boot camp was going to fix that. And I got kicked out of the boot camp four months in. Because I have a mouth and I don't tolerate foolishness and I challenge authority all so the time. You think that your father going to prison affected you? And It did because when I got to boot camp and I wanted to communicate with my father and my mom doing the best thing that a mother thing that she feels that she should do is to keep me away from my father. Now, I'm not saying that that was wrong what she did because hindsight 2020. I feel like she did the right thing. But at that time, didn't feel like that. I'm like, bro, why are you keeping me from my dad, man? It's not like, you know, right. Yeah. You know, no, and, and it was no, and it was never no disrespect to my stepfather, which I don't even call him that. Cause he's been in my life since November of 1995. Wow. November 7th of 1995 to be exact was the first time that I ever met the man, you know? Um, but I have a biological father. I should be allowed to talk to him. Of course. You should mm. give me that choice. Of course. Of rather if I want to speak to him and have him involved in my life or not. Right. You shouldn't make that choice for me. And oddly enough, now with my oldest daughter, the same cycle repeat itself because the mother feels that she's doing the best thing by keeping my daughter away from me. And my biggest fear, and we'll go back to my child. I, just it came up real quick so i'm bringing this up because again it goes back to with my dad i don't ever want my daughter to hate her mom you know from from your experience you know? yes mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah. i don't want her to hold any animosity and i never did maybe i did back then but you know i don't ever want her to be like look whatever happened between me and your mother doesn't change that I don't love you now. I'm sorry. All I can do is apologize and tell you I'm sorry that I wasn't in your life after, you know, before you became a year old for whatever the reasons. So, but it's the same thing repeating itself now. Let me, let me ask you something because out of curiosity, you know, from, from my own experience, um, <clears throat> my mom and my dad split when I'm like 12 and I didn't really feel the hardship of that until i was like 19. right how did how did the fact that your dad wasn't with you how did it affect you and did it affect you like immediately or did you feel it like way it way sucked. after for lack for lack of a better term and I'm, I'm you know you'll probably hear me in this conversation use some big words because yes i do know some big words and, and put them in the, in the correct context and sometimes i'm just blunt it sucked I'm but, grateful but, that I had I'm grateful that I had a stepfather. I'm grateful that I had male role models in my life that I thank God that I wasn't one of those that didn't have someone positive that was a man mm -hmm. 
And this man right here is also one of them. You know, despite what many may look at him on the outside as or what his past was, to me, he is a male role model. If I cry, my bad. But he was one of those male role models that I needed in my life at the time when he came in my life. And if I never would have met him February 19, 2004 on 2nd Ave and 34th Street, thanks to my other brother, Mike, who took me, who knows? Let's May- get let's get into that. Let's get into that. We'll we'll go back to your to your to your dad and so forth. I'm kind of curious on that because that's obviously obviously a relationship we we know you is through Sergio. So mm-hmm. how did that like? What was that experience for you? Why were you going to the lot? What like? Okay. let's share the backstory. So, like I said, I had moved to Miami in December. In January, I started going to high school over here. By February 9th, I got arrested because the teacher. No offense, sir. He was a white teacher who said that I hit her, although she grabbed me and I pulled myself away from her. She used her race to say that I maliciously hit her and I got arrested. Now, the principals at Miami Springs Senior High, and I'm make sure that I say the name of that school, too. I don't know if they're still there, but the principals that were there at the time, they sucked. And they tried to dictate to the other Spanish kids how to behave. And they couldn't do that with me. And they looked at me no different than they looked at the black kids at that school. Oh, you're just trouble. You're a delinquent. No, they, they use you as an you know, example. You know, no, I know my rights. I know that if you don't do something about this issue right here, I'll just go to the school board and let them take care of it. And you'll lose your job. Because that happened to me when I was in Belgrade. I got into a fight. I got jumped. And the teachers wanted to, and the school wanted to expel me. So my mom ended up going to the school board. The other kids ended up getting in trouble. Their fathers had to leave work and they were pissed. They came to my mom's job and told them their sons to apologize to me. They did. The school police who tried to, you know, who tried to get me expelled and get me arrested got fired. Oh, wow. So you've been through it before. So, yeah. So I know. I know the play. You cannot, you know, I know your I know what your role is and I'm gonna respect that. But at the same time, don't think you can dictate. And again, I when I moved to Miami, things were different for me. You know, I wasn't used to being around people that spoke Spanish all the time. I heard it in my household, but I didn't know how to speak it. And you didn't speak well like your Spanish. No, this well. is how my Spanish was back in two thousand four. Um the scoop of per favor. No Nintendo. Nacho, please. Garcias. Not gracias, but Garcias. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that was that was yeah. my Spanish. Uh, that makes, that the makes only, me feel yeah. a little better. The only the only thing that I was not able to say in Spanish correctly was orale. That was it. Hey, hey, Mike, you know, Mike doesn't feel bad because he's still 15% Mexican. You know? That's right, but, you know, but, but Libra de Veras, and that's what it's called, Libra de Veras, he can learn that easily. Yeah. But, um, hold on, I want to hold you there for a moment because um, this is not called deep in your details. Sorry. It's called deep in your business. And Mike asked you a question. He said, uh, how do we meet? I, I remember for me, I remember meeting this young, angry Mexican kid that just wanted to, you know, (laughs) destroy the world. All right, so so basically, that day that I got arrested was the day that my sister got saved because Mike and a few other kids, at the time they were kids, 
um, were evangelizing and they had witnessed to, for those who don't know what evangelizing is, is basically preaching the gospel, going out, not just in the church. So they were evangelizing and witnessing. So then they got saved. And then 10 days later, um, I was invited. And the way that I got invited, if you remember what I told you about what got me to go to Bible study in middle school, the cookie. Mike told me that there was going to be food. Yeah. And I will never say no to free food. That's true. <laughs> I will never say no to free food. If yeah. any of y'all right now was to be like, hey, we'll go and it's on me, so praise God. To God be the glory. Yeah. You know, may the Lord bless you tenfold. <laughs> so that's what got me to go to the lot. And then I remember it was like, oh, we're going to this hood. I'm like, okay. So then I want to wear my, I want to wear my fresh outfit, wear my chain that I had just stole from Universal Studios. I stole two chains and made a one long chain. I want to go look and fly because I'm going to the projects. All right. So then I got into an argument with my family. Oh, you can't wear that. And then I got angry and I was just this enraged young man. <laughs> and then you come to the and, outreach and see how I'm dressed. <laughs> and, then, and then I was even more pissed. And I was even more pissed. And I remember telling well, he, was, like, he was waiting for the, for the suit and tie. No, 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 no. I know I'm going to the project. No, matter of fact, no, again, sorry for going into detail. You yeah. had on blue jean shorts and you had on um, oh, a 20. And you had on a baby blue, you had on a baby blue Jordan jersey that said number 23 with some uh, white kicks. Look at that. But um, <laughs> but no. Oh, that's funny, man. But the, like I told Mike as we're riding, I'm listening to Christian rap music. I've heard it before. But I'm like, man, I'm just sitting in the car, man. He's like, all right, you can sit in the car if you want, you know, because I had they I was forced to go. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go, but I ain't getting out, man. I'm just I'm just mad the entire time, not talking, just seething, angry, you know. And uh when we got there, I'm like, all right, fine. Then I saw they were giving out food. Ding, so ding, I, ding, 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 ding. Food, food, food. I got out the car. <laughs> Serge said what's up to me. And then um Danny's mom was mm. the one that fits me a plate of food. Um, so then I did, and then we did the service, and then I remember, I think it was uh not Macho, Bert. I remember hearing, I think at the time. But wait a second. Service. Wait a second. Let me ask you, what kind of food did they serve, bro? That I don't recall. Oh, get <laughs> out of here, bro. Rice and beans and chicken. No, no. Because yeah. wait a second. No, it was going so fast. Yeah. Because wait a second. Remember, like, yeah. you're saying, oh, we went to the lot. And then I described yeah. the lot in a couple episodes before, which was, hey, you know, he invites me to a church. And I go to the church, and it's not a church. You know, he just pulls out two speakers yeah. in, and a, a in, bunch a piece, of chairs. in a piece of grass. You know, it's full of, like, crap. And then he starts like, oh, you're going to hell. And I'm like, ah, oh, no. So so when so, I described the food was hot dogs and burgers, you know, and we're eating hot dogs and burgers with, like, drug dealers and prostitutes yeah. and this and that. That so, day they had good. they had a good spread that day. But then I remember they started worshiping praise and worship. You know, first time I heard Jason Upton. And then there was just that thing I know. I see, I know you remember Bert. I just see him start yelling, Hallelujah. I don't want to yell out. So I just, <laughs> so for, the, for the audio, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And then, you know, and then the Holy Spirit touched. And that's the thing I know. I started seeing him speaking in tongues. Now, that never bothered me because I always saw that at a black church. And I'm like, what weirded me out was that I saw people not black speaking in tongues. Oh wow, wow. dude! Okay. So you're used to seeing? I, I, I was used oh, to. I, wow. was used, I always okay. thought that I That's always associated so that with a black church. Wow. I never yeah. associated that with anybody outside. Mm. 
So then that freaked me out because I'm like, bro, y'all not black and y'all speaking in tongues. <laughs> They're like, there's white tongues too. Yeah, I thought there was just you black know, tongues. Yeah, like so. So then, sir, so then, Bert, so then I start pretending, yelling, and then Serge says, "For those being fake, God knows if you're being real and you're being fake, and you need to be real with the Lord." And I just shut up after that. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, now, so you weren't going. So you were going. I was just yelling. I was just yelling out loud. And then, yeah. like, I don't think it was directed towards me per no, se. Of course not. You know, I think but it sir, was. But sir, but whatever. No, no, because he. No, trust me. Because there, there was a bunch I think of. It was. <laughs> there was a bunch. Of, no, because there was a bunch of other That's stuff. Awesome. There was a bunch of other stuff going on. There was too a lot of I religious did. folks there. Yeah. That. So that were just doing that. So then I just shut up and then started did the service and then when he did the altar call i'm like all right it's probably gonna be one of them other altar calls that i come up to and say yeah i'll say the prayer once again because but, but hold up hold up you've been in church before and you've had the experience before no no i went to the altar call to say the prayer i repeat after he'll know what i'm talking about right now no offense mm -hmm. <laughs> come out to the church mm -hmm. come on everybody now Repeat after me. That's what he's I, saying. You yeah. had that experience like, before. I had, yeah. I had, you know, like to go up to the altar yeah. and then turn yeah. around. Yeah. And then he's now a new child of God. Okay. Hey, praise God. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and then I got right. baptized and did yeah. all of that stuff, you know, a month later. And then I was a part of that church and this and that. But then, and I'm like, okay, it's probably just going to be one of those. So when I went up there. What I ended up experiencing was completely different. So what 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 happened? What was yeah. the difference between what you've done before and 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 the wrecking the wrecking ball that yeah. hit you? <laughs> and not trying to make it serious while y'all were laughing, but I, I'll never forget it. I remember the presence of God just raining down, and I started to cry. Almost I feel these tears coming out. It was the same tears that I remember coming out my eyes. Dang near 20 years ago. And I remember I was just confessing things just out there. And I think he was holding me at first. And then I wasn't around a circle. Next thing I know, there was a circle. And I remember just crying, crying, just like confessing all these things, you know, from me being molested, from me being abused, from me doing things, from me saying things. You know, anything that I could think of from 15 to, from, I can remember to 15 years old, Lord, forgive me. I'm confessing deep things that I never shared with people before until then. And then all I can remember, if I can remember describing it perfect, I'm sorry, but all I remember was just seeing this pink sky with clouds and just seeing this waterfall. And this water just going down this waterfall and it being the most peaceful thing. And just knowing that I didn't just say a prayer. What happened that night was real. Like that was my first real introduction to who Jesus Christ was. Amen. And then, you and know, what, what did you feel, bro? Like, you know, you're describing what you, what you were um, that's seeing what, and that, stuff. What, what I'm describing is what I felt a peace. Mm, okay. It was mm. a peace. It was peaceful what I saw. That's what I could describe. If you ask me what I felt, it was peace. So from okay, the rage, was, from the rage that you had to peace, like in that moment, it was hours because I got there like around seven, seven thirty, and I was an angry, yeah, an angry, disturbed, 
young man. I ended up wearing a rocker shirt that had like a skull with a dragon on it. And I remember Serge seeing that. Yep. And then next thing I know, my sister got mad at me and made me flip my shirt inside out. <laughs> so I ended up flipping it inside out, mm. you know, but I, then that made me more angry because I don't like being told what to do. Right. But after that, man, it was just, I left feeling super peaceful, super calm. And knowing that that was my real introduction to who Jesus really was. Not just what I heard in the Bible or what was shown on Passion of the Christ, which I didn't even see the movie yet, but that was my assumption. Oh, it was probably some other Jesus movie, you know, but it was my real introduction. You That's know, my cool. <clears throat> for me, where where I started seeing your your growth was when you started opening up and talking about, you know, you being molested. I mean, for you to talk about that, First of all, God had to heal your heart because to talk about a subject like that for a woman, I think it's not that it's easier, but it's more common. It's a commonplace. Commonplace. It's my, I'm just giving my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And But when it comes to a man and a, and a hardcore man to open up like that, a lot of guys in the hood have been raped, molested, you know, it's the list is long. Almost all the guys you saw in Winwood, a lot of them were molested as a child. They uh, just didn't talk about it. They opened up and spoke to me about it. But <clears throat> for you to come to me and and open up and give me details, I'm saying, man, God, you are just doing something amazing in this life. Because remember, when I met you, I saw you as this. I really thought you were going to spend the rest of your life in prison. Like you had so much anger that it just took the wrong person to tell you the wrong thing. And I'm not saying you would have got a gun or a knife. I think you would have You're not beat lying. them to death. You're not lying because yeah. two months moving into Miami, I'm in a new city. I'm in a new environment as opposed to where I was. And where I was back then wasn't just, it wasn't as great either. But and, uh, and, at and, least and, it was familiar to no, you. No, like I said, because I'm moving from a small town. Now I'm moving to a major metropolis. Yep. I've never lived in a big city before. I visited the big city. I would travel on a bus from Belglade to go to Palm Beach. So I would know what that's like. Or I would travel with my mom to go from Belglade to Miami or Fort Lauderdale. You know, it was an adventure, but I never lived in a big city. So now I'm in a, a new environment. And truthfully, had I would have not met Mike and Serge at the time that I met them and had them in my life at the time that I needed them, he would have been right. And I would have just been another statistic and I would have been another sad story. Man, I remember that Salvador, man. You know, it was a sad ending for him, man. You know, and that, that's what that's what the conversation would have been. I would have been just another what if. Yeah. I know that this is a, it's a hard topic to talk about, um, but you don't have to get too detailed, but if you can kind of take us through um, how old you were and that time that you were molested. I was between the ages of four and six. I was between the ages of four and six, and it was by my oldest brother and my first stepfather's mother. I won't go into details what they did, but um, it was them two. And I remember when my brother got out in 2006. Wait, so so your brother was locked up also? Yeah. But not, be, for not, for not right. because of that. It I was understand. a bunch of other stuff, but we had a conversation and we squashed that. And I love him to this day. You know, that's my brother. You know, 
he went through so much. I'm not saying that what he did was right because it was wrong too. Yeah, of course. But yeah. you know, you were saying before that he got beat off. He got. You know, he was my old. He was. He was the oldest. Of course. So you know, he felt the wrath of yeah. my father. So. So how, he, how did he, that conversation start? Like I just straight up, you just straight up went up to him. I and, said, "Look, we need to talk, man." Okay. Okay. And it was probably one of the few times in my life that I didn't feel any fear talking to my brother because my brother used to, was a very intimidating man to me. And I used to see him fight people back in the day. He used to bust these dudes up. So, like, I would never want to challenge my brother in any way. But that was the one time I think, you know, we where I spoke to him. I told him, look, this is what you did to me. You know you did. And I want you to know I forgive you. And I love you. And I will never let anyone hurt you. You know, I never went to go report it or nothing, you know, because we took care of it, you know. And after that, you know, we never spoke about it again. He apologized. And, you know, around that time I was taking care of, um, it was when I started being around his son, my oldest nephew. And I told him, look, you don't ever have to worry about nobody putting a hand on this boy. And maybe it was because of my nephew was when I first found out I wanted to be a dad one day so that I could be able to protect, you know, those, you know, them from what happened to me. And yep. it started with my my youngest nephew, my oldest nephew, I mean, when he was young and I was just always there because my brother was in and out of jail, always getting locked up. And he's currently locked up now, too. How many years? Because I remember um, 12 he, years. He got 12 years a while back. Not, yeah, and then uh, he was supposed to get out. I remember. And then he allegedly got arrested for rape. And then, but so, because he was on house arrest, he got arrested. The rape charge dropped because the lady never showed up to court. Okay. But because he was on house mm -hmm. arrest, not house arrest, on work release, he was still locked up when he got arrested. So he was in work release when he allegedly raped the lady. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to throw they wanted to throw life at him, but he ended up getting like twenty years. So he'll be getting out. He's forty. He'll turn forty four this year. He'll be out when he's fifty five. Wow! Because he was about to get out. He was in work release. New Year New Year's Eve two thousand eleven. I remember we had that conversation. Now, let me let me touch something that you wow. said in what you were what you were talking about before. What led you? to have the conversation with your brother. Because, because one thing is for you to come out, what you were saying, and this is the reason why I'm asking it. You were saying you were very intimidated to talk to your brother, to challenge him, but something had to like Christ. touch you. That's, Christ. that's my point. Yeah. But by that point, I was already two years in the faith, you know, still learning, backsliding, asking to be forgiven, believing the lies of the enemy, telling me that I'm not forgiven yet. Mm -hmm. And that, and you know, it got to the point at the time I didn't know what Surge was going through, and I only my only regret, and I don't make many regrets because whatever happened was supposed to happen. My only regret is that I wish I would have been more understanding to Surge, and his situation that he had back then. Whether if y'all know it or not, that's not for my that's not my story to tell. What was it? Was it when I was going through my divorce? That's yes. what you're saying. Yeah, we've okay. talked about it so, before. But still, yeah. that that's not my that's not my. Yeah, oh, good. this is deep in your business. Yeah, we, 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 we get no, it. We, we get in it here. But Victor. but, but my it. thing was, it yeah. was to the point where I felt like I was annoying Serge. Not at all, man. You know, I saw you like a son. 
But at the so, time, yeah, I should have been more cognate because there was times where I didn't answer my call. And I'm like, man, Lord, you know what's up? You know these people not answering my call. These supposed to be your people's man, and you know, you know, I had there was things that, yes, that God will put them there, and it would be a help. But then there was things I needed to learn on my own. Yeah, there are things that you have to own, and you have to take your own responsibility for. You them. know, instead of talking, you know, like yeah. I always had a problem. Like I never was the type back then to tell my problems, and then when I felt comfortable, I, like I would really have to be comfortable with you to open up to you. Back then, before I got saved. Now, I mean, but I was a very, you know, I'm a very people person back then. I'm more a little bit, you know, what's the word? I'm more now of an introvert now as I was back then. If I don't know you, I'm not going to talk to you as much. I only talk to you what I feel like I need to talk to you about. And that's it. But like to get like personal with you, I wouldn't. Because now, and I blame my baby, thank, blame slash thank my baby mama for that. Um, that I'm not as trusting anymore. And now I won't say I'm trusting, I'm just more wise on who I open up to because not any person who I open up to and tell you what happened to me, you know, are you fend or are you foe? Because smiling faces can stab you in the back. Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> before we talk about, you know, get a little more detailed on that, I want to go back because your baby mama, she's from Mexico too? She's Haitian. Wait a minute. So, your father is not too happy with black people, and you had a daughter. My oldest. So daughter. T tell us about the older daughter. When you did, you tell your dad? No. So <laughs> me and my no, but because he was in prison, and, and so I would go visit my dad. Like he, to go back to his question earlier, back the next time that I saw my father in person after that was November eighth, two thousand eight. What prison? Like what prison uh G C I in Belgrade, Glade Correctional okay. Glaze Correctional okay. Institution in Belgrade, my hometown. I finally got to see my father after I filled out the visitation forms. I went dressed up nice and slick. And I went to go visit my dad and we had you know, I was there until like two o'clock till visitation was over. Um that was the first time I saw my dad in person. And I would go visit him every once in a while whenever I had the opportunity to. How did he react when he saw you, man? He was like, man, you're grown. You got facial <laughs> hair. You know, because I was I was 12 years old when I he last saw me. And then when he saw me again, I was a 20-year-old man. Oh, mm. dude. Wow. That was eight years after, bro. Wow. So. Wow. So, um, and I remember telling Serge, man, that Thursday, I'm like, man, I, I went, you know, I was like, man, I'm about to go see my dad for the first time, man. Yeah. You know, since he'd been arrested. And he was like, praise God, brother. Praise God. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's excellent, Salvador. That's excellent. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. So, um, so we talked, and then I guess either my aunt, God rest her soul, either my aunt or my cousin, ended up writing him a letter, let him know that hey, you know, Salvador is gonna have a child, and he's having it with a black woman. Oh, dude! So he wrote me a letter, and supposedly, you know, he got saved in church. You know, he was an ordained reverend in church, and all of that. He was at a faith. He was at a faith-based prison. So, you know, I guess certain amenities were allotted to him or whatever, as opposed to being in a regular prison that's not faith-based. And uh, he wrote me a letter basically telling me that it's um, that if I have this child with this woman, it should, it'll be an abomination of God because she's half black. <laughs> um, and me and her were already were having our own issues as well. 
So she's um, Haitian, so she's half black. You, 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 no, she. Yeah, oh, my, the, the my daughter. Oh yeah, my daughter's half Haitian, half Mexican. Got it. Um, but what I meant to say was, and I misunderstood, <clears throat> is that your oh the child will be born half black. Yes, and because the child was half black, it would be an abomination to God. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I stopped talking to him. I stopped writing him. Wow. It was f this man. You know, he's not my father. He's just a sperm donor. Um, my real father. Is the man that took care of me and been in my life since November 7, 1995. Yeah. That's who my father is. He's not stepdad. That's my dad. And yes, even though I address him by his name, he knows that, that he's dad. He's just always been comfortable with me calling him by his government name. And, you know, that's what I feel comfortable calling him. But I let him know and I reassure to him every day because he's one of those old school Cuban guys that shows no emotion. And it's still weird for someone like, I mean, he's now lighting up to it. And, you know, I'll, I always affirm him that, you know, owe him that reverence of him being my father. But let me, let me, let me touch again the whole conversation thing, because you talking to your brother, something had, like, was, you, was, were, you were in the middle of the process of no, I was already delivered about from that at that point. So I had no problem talking to people about me being molested. Now, let me, let me, let me just touch something there. Were you feeling freedom at that moment that you wanted to engage in that conversation it or was, you were still going through the process? No, at that point right there, I was already, you know, filled with the spirit, you know, being sometimes at times very bold. Sound familiar? <laughs> so Too bold sometimes. Not, not that I'm pointing any fingers or elbows or nothing, but, you know, let's just say that the Lord rubbed off whatever boldness the Lord rubbed off on him, it rained on me. So it was um, maybe a week before a Christmas party that, you know, he was already out. He was happy to see me. And then after that, I told him, hey, we need to talk. It was just straight up like that. Hey, we need to talk. Me and him went to a room alone. I told him, hey, look, You may not remember this. I do. This is what happened. I don't know what made you do it. You know, I, you know, I'm not no psychologist or nothing, but I just want you to know, even if you don't apologize to me, I forgive you for it. I know that you never meant to hurt me, you know, and this ain't, this ain't me saying this, you know, as remorse or, 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 you know, like, What's the, what's the word I want to say? It's when the women apologize after getting abused by a man and they, they're they the ones apologizing to him. It's not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Something. not false guilt. Yeah, it's not false guilt. You know, but I just wanted him to know I forgive you. I love you. And I'm always going to be here for you no matter what. And then he apologized after that there. And we how, left it in the old, past. How old were you when he molested you? Between the ages of four and six. So it was four and six Between. And then, but watch, watch the pattern because your father um, raped someone, your, your brother, and now between four and six, and I'm telling you this because this happened to a family member of mine, and I walked into a room and uh, it was like four, between four and six years old, and the other kid was older, nine, 10, 11, and I saw them in the act. I just freaked out out i lost it and but then the 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 one that got molested i noticed that as time went by i don't know 10 11 12 
that he had uh, homosexual tendencies. Did you ever deal with anything like that? I mean, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, it's okay. But I won't say that I didn't, but um, for some reason, black women has always been a, a, a taste of mine. So if there were any homo tendencies that wanted to come on me, God just knew that black women was just for me. Okay. So, you know, no. Okay. Other than the acts that were done to me by my brother, no. Amen. And you know. and once you squashed it, what did you feel, bro? I didn't, you know, I was straight. I'm not that... Uh, truthfully, you would have to ask my brother that question. Because... But you were the one that were violated. That's what he wanted to know, that... Well, like, like sometimes we carry some kind of weight or guilt or whatever. And, and, and that's why I was asking you <clears throat> what led you to do it. You know, maybe you were super bold, straight up, you know. I was just bold. And, and you just did it. But but when we do those kind of things, I see it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I see it from the perspective of, man, I like this girl and I'm going to tell her, you know, that I like her. You know, you have to make that decision of like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address this Believe issue. Believe it or not, it was just right there. I like wasn't at, thinking about in I, the I, moment. I, yeah, it was. A, it was at the moment. Okay. So cool, dude. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. You know, it wasn't that. You know, I know he was getting ready to come out of jail. <clears throat> it wasn't premeditated. You weren't thinking mm. about it with that situation. Oh, wow, with him, it wasn't premeditated. That's yeah. so cool, dude. Yeah. Wow. So, so let me re-ask the question: perversion. I know you dealt with a lot of perversion, masturbation. Yes, and this is stuff that. Just men don't like talking about. We all deal with it, bro. Like you know, you know what I mean. So, so masturbation. It was also uh, porn. It was. And then when I got older, as a as a man, then I started paying prostitutes as well. And that's something I know either you probably knew or didn't know, or may have had an an inkling. Oh, I knew you were with prostitutes. So yeah, you would call me crying. I I would know. Because, for example, at the time that I met Salvador, and this is really cool because we know each other, but we didn't know, like, I didn't know all of these things. You know what I'm saying? And um, it's really cool because it makes me understand a lot of things that I couldn't understand when I just met you. And then you start going back and you say, oh, now it makes sense. Oh, now it makes sense why he would be like this. Or oh, now it makes sense why he would do this. And in those things... For example, I remember you being in church and then people will pray for you. And then you start like like throwing up and you start like throwing up and you start like throwing up. And then you did that like a bunch of different times. And I would ask myself like, yo, why is he going through the same process? Yeah. I didn't understand. And I, I was hard headed. I didn't understand. I didn't understand the background of it though. But I would mm -hmm. see you and I'm like, man, he's going in a circle What's the deal? You ever notice yeah. that whenever I felt so bad, I stopped coming? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And and the reason why I'm and, telling and you this. I felt, I felt the shame. The yeah. reason why I'm telling you this yeah. is I really bonded with you when we started going to the food ministry. Because we would we would we were be opposites. We were we were complete yeah. opposites, bro. Yep. yep. Bro, like, 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 I, like people, you're not you're not someone that I would I, hang out with right. on the out, outside of the totally. church. Totally. Yes. Like, like if it was yeah. like regular. I thought you were just one of those, like, I won't say uppity, no. More like, he's not fruity either, but, you know, 
He's one of those Latin Fru- fruity uppity. No, no. <laughs> he was one of those. Like, he was one of those. Fruity uppity. Fruity pebbles, man. Just no. call it for what it is. No, because he was a married man at that time. But he was one of those Latinos that I felt was like. They wore a merce. Fin- they wear a merce he was more. He was more like the Lacoste. He was more like the Lacoste. Yeah. I thought he was more rich. I, to me, and he probably, yeah. maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Right. But to me, when I saw him, I thought rich guy. Yeah. I thought you know he was one of the rich guys that Serge somehow just linked up with, and by the God be the glory, you know, he was one of those that he he was in him and his wife were in competitions and that. They knew all these famous people. And then we went to their wedding one year. It was at this fancy hotel. And there's a picture of me and you, a professional picture of me eating food. And you're walking like this with the plate. And, you know, like, I still got that picture. I'm going to send it to you later. Yeah. But, um, like, I just thought he was more upper class as opposed to me being from the projects. But yet. And I agree. That's and, what it looked like. And yeah. that's what it looked And then, but, yeah. and for whatever reason. Him being what I thought he was and whatever he thought I was, it was Christ. Let, yeah. let, let's let's keep that. Let's just keep that. Well, like, like it was Christ. Bro. Church, church, yeah. put no, church. not church. No, it no, was but, Christ, but, bro. But listen, yeah, listen, listen, listen to listen to this. Yeah. Church puts you in a situation where you mingle with people that you have nothing in common, though, and then. And then God gives you situations where he makes you work with those people in an environment where you actually open up and you get to know them. So we used to go to the the food ministry and driving, it was a full hour, bro. And in that hour was when him and I will start talking. Mm -hmm. We pick the food up and then we had another hour to go there. And then we would have to like pack the food and do all the work in order to give the food the next day. So we would spend probably like three, four hours together just talking and like, you know, mingling and stuff. And we would This stop was in 2015. With- that was when I started coming back. Um, before, uh, like when you're, what you're talking about is when I came back in 2015. And around that time I came back, I was on probation because to go back a year before that, 2014 was the worst year of my life. Mm. Um. I think I maybe met you in 2011. I'm not sure. It no, might have it, been once or was, twice. Because I was there in 2010, and it was probably like 2012 or 13. Because you know, like I was in the food ministry probably like for two or three years. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so you 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 told me like, hey, you want to do this? And I'm like, sure. And at the time that you were helping me out, we were at um at the church down there, uh, the one one God, God ministry, the one God ministry yeah. thing. So uh, we're doing the food ministry, and that's when I get to know you because we we used to go to Winwood, but when we're in in, in one God ministry, it wasn't in Winwood yeah, anymore. It was, off, it was in Flagler. Yeah. So so yeah. when when you and me started talking and stuff, I started understanding a lot of the things that you were going through in Winwood, but we weren't there anymore. And that's when we started like getting clothes and stuff. And I remember it felt weird that we were in a building because like, yeah. Yeah, because we were so street yeah. ministry uh, all yeah. the time. Like, yeah. I remember after I got saved, bro, then Dude. I would go, like, I'm 16 years old. Because then April came around, I turned 16. I'm 16 years old in the summer with Serge, Macho, Mike, Alo, Alex, um, all these men. And we looking like gorillas, bro. Just, just, just straight cock diesel and just how the dress code was back in 04. Mind you, I'm on probation. Then... For when for when I got from when I got kicked out of school and got arrested and they put me on probation then and I'm breaking probation 
And luckily, my mom was okay because she knew I was doing something church. Like, so I'm with these guys breaking probation on South Beach preaching the gospel. You know, because at the time, I was mm. just on fire, bro. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Not still one of his, his classic songs from his first D2M album. <laughs> you know, but I was just yeah. on fire, bro. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I had the right, I I was around the right people that I needed to be around. When, when you meet, yeah. you were on fire. Describe that. Describe that from, from the perspective of, hey, I was angry, I was this, I was that, and then being on fire is what? So started reading my Bible a lot, started, you know, getting more into the word of God, started seeking his presence and, you know, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through me when the Holy Spirit needed to speak. And then it got to the point where I became bold with it and I wasn't ashamed. I wasn't ashamed to claim, you know, who my Lord and Savior was. I wasn't ashamed to acknowledge who my real head of the table is. You know, he'll, he'll get that reference since he said it earlier. <laughs> But um, who I acknowledge and I wasn't ashamed and I, and I wasn't ashamed to share that with the world because, you know, all right, once I got saved, now what? Read the word of God. Okay, now what do I do with that information? Do I just keep that for myself and be selfish? Or do I share that information the same way that it was shared to me? Of course, I'm going to tell other people about it. You know, there's people still to this day that, you know, they're living right in, in God's eyes. You know, when I started backsliding and they're like, man, I remember you talked to me, man. You you know, you're just only going through it. And this is people who I witnessed to after who I'm sure maybe none of y'all ever met, but that I would have the one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. You know, and we would have my Bible and we would go over and I would spend hours on the phone with them like how Serge was with me. And then they would see me backsliding and they would pray for me. And I honestly feel like I'm still living off of favor and grace that is maybe now in the reaching late 2009, early 2010s now. I feel like whatever favor and grace I had with God from there is what's now hitting my life. Now, well, it's seeds that are planted, bro, and, and then and, and then and they grow into a into a so whatever a, a tree, you know. So what I'm whatever saying? favor and grace I got from God, bro, that you know, from all the times, and I never wanted to be visible with minds. I didn't want to be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If I did something, it's because God put it in my heart, and I'm a man. And as a man, I do what I want. I don't do what I can. If I want to help you, if I want to be a blessing in your life, it's because I, I give God the honor and glory for that and because I chose to do that with the free will that I had. I chose to help you because I wanted to and because I know it was the right thing and I don't want adulation for it. I don't want you, oh, Salvador, thank you. Even though my name in Spanish means Savior, I am not one. I might look like one with the long hair. <laughs> I am not one. I would be the worst. But, you know... I give praise to the Most High for those blessings because God allowed it to happen. I just happened to be the dummy that he used at the time. There was two instances that I remember that you called me. And one time uh, you called me, I saw your name, and I was immediately joking on the phone. And that day you got shot at. Was it shot at? Something happened to you. You're like, man, did someone just shot at me or something? I can't remember now the details, but... 
you called me and I was joking on the phone and you were just crying and crying. Something happened. I forgot what it there was. There was a plethora of those, man. And yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm now at the age. Yeah. While my memory yeah. still may be vast. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so I'm going to take I you through. I'm going to take you through the other one, but I'm going to build this one up. This one you're going to remember. Mm. So look how it started. When you were young, your family was watching porn and they were like, just watch it. Right. So from there, masturbation, and from masturbation, uh, it ex- basically you went into uh, sleeping with prostitutes. Believe it or not, I actually had sets before I learned how to masturbate. Oh, wow. Look at that. Mm. I didn't even know. I didn't learn how to masturbate until after I finally had sets. How old were you when you had sex? 13, oh, November wow. 22nd, 2001. And I was on my way walking to church. Wow. Look because this girl lived right behind my house, hmm. and I was on my way walking to church, going to a Thanksgiving dinner that the church had with their families. Wow, you know they had it that Tuesday, and then Thursday was Thanksgiving. You be with your own family or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm on my way going, and then the guy who I was have the Bible studies at middle school, he just looked at me and was like, "You need to repent." Oh wow! Because he knew what I did. I guess he could <laughs> smell it on me. Uh-huh. And by everybody else, I'm just like, nah. I just got you know. I just came home, you know. I just. I went from school. I just came straight. My bad. I didn't take a shower. I just threw on church clothes and came. I was playing sports or whatever. But he knew. He knew. Mm. So going going back to what I was saying. So it went from um, watching porn, having sex, masturbation. Now you're sleeping with prostitutes. But there was this one day you called me and you had, you was with a prostitute and the room was dark. Do you remember that? You don't, Do you feel comfortable talking about that? Then I guess I should have been honest when I um answered your question before. Yeah. About I think I don't know who was it. There was it you or was it you that asked? Oh, it was me. It was me. Okay. So you want to take us through that? Because the reason why is because how this dirty, nasty, disgusting devil, bro, tries to get a vessel that is created for God, for his glory, but how he perverse, you know. Sin is unquenchable. I don't care how much you try to quench sin. Yeah. You can't, bro. You can't fulfill that desire of sin. It it wants more. And why do people sin? Because it feels good. At the moment. So at the moment, right. Yeah. Yeah. So now take us through. You went in, you went to go see this prostitute. The room was dark. You called me. What happened? So I won't go into too much detail either, but let's just say... I was lied to when I thought that it was the opposite sets. It wasn't. I did it. And then I felt bad. I think that was one of the few times that when I told him that I wanted to commit suicide. Yes. I meant it. Yeah. And, it, you know, because I called him many times before and, you know, but it was just a cry for help because I needed, you know, it was it was a cry for help back then, but when that one time I caught him, I almost meant it. It wasn't just a regular cry for help. And uh, so people would see you come to church all messed up, and what's wrong with Salvador? I knew the story. Yeah, because because it was it, it was exactly what I was saying. Like you know, we would pray, and I, you know, I'm like, hey, I prayed for him last week, and he's like, you know, having all this. Uh, deliverance type of thing happening and now it's happening again and then two weeks later it's happening again and then and i'm like what is going on so one thing is to say what is going on and then 
have a comment. Hey, no, he's going through stuff. And another thing is going deep into what was going on. Now, well, I was seeing you in that circle. That's why I ask you, man, like when, when did you experience freedom? Why? Because I was a sex addict and I felt that I was in that circle for a long time. I was always going out with girls and I had 50 numbers in my, in my phone. And on Friday nights, I didn't want to be alone. So I would have to call one of those girls. But when I was with them, I felt like crap. And it's this cycle of garbage that you yeah. cannot get rid of. When you think you're a ladies man and you know, you, when you finally develop confidence that you could be able to, because I had lack of confidence. Sorry to tell you. You know, I always felt that I was ugly. I never thought that I was attractive. I had my own family tell me I was ugly. I always thought that big women were the only type of woman that would find me attractive. I would look at myself in the mirror and I would think I was Sherman Clump, nutty professor fat. Y'all looking at me right now. Do I look like that? No, of course not. Did I look no. like that back then? No. No. No, I'm talking about with him back when he saw me in No, I remember right. like back then. 2000, yeah. 2011, that I looked right. like that. Not 2015, that I looked like that. Bro. Yeah. 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 I never yeah. once was a very obese, hefty, no-neck yeah. person. Right. In my eyes, you were like that's that. what I saw. Yeah. Okay. Mm. You know, that's what I saw. I was ugly. I wasn't attractive. The girl who would have the stripper-type body or that thick body, you know... Rather, if she was in that life or not, I never thought that that type of girl would ever find me attractive nor give me the time of day. Now, let me ask you a question. Whenever you hired the prostitutes, was was that what you were chasing after? It was no. It was just it was some cause, some yes, but some was whatever I can get twenty dollars for. Where I was I was cheap, and then 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 there was a the few times that I would be willing to spend a little more. So twenty dollars, you're talking about at least three teeth on the top and two on the bottom. <laughs> He's like, bro, maybe one, maybe one or two, and I'm not gonna maybe one or two, but no, I would always try to find yeah. the one that looked decent, that looked decent enough that you know, if I was to see on the street, I would holler at her like on the street, like not not to to to, to meet up, but just like a regular girl. She's like, hey man, she look attractive, yet she's out here tricking. Because then I would go on. You know, as I got older, I stopped look. I stopped riding the streets. It's just fine. Then I would go on the back page and the Craigslist and the, you know, online, meet up with you know, communicate first, check my surroundings because me being a former security officer, I'm always observing my surroundings. So I'm not gonna get set up. That happened to me one time and it never will happen again. And it happened with all people, a big girl. So you got caught with a prostitute and went to jail? Oh, a sting. No, you got no, no, sting. no. I mean, like, I would never get caught up, like, you know, get caught slipping. Okay. You know, like getting set up. Got it. You know what I mean by getting set up for you. Oh, okay, with a pimp, yeah. No, or, I mean, like, no, like, like someone trying to rob, rob yes. Trying to try to rob, yeah. Yes. It's the Mexican in him, you know? No, it's it's, it's the being around Sir <laughs> you know, To find a Christian person that is born again, that is saved, and now you have a beautiful family, you have a wife, you're married. Bro, to talk about prostitution, bro, that's deep, man. Yeah. I mean, what men would talk about that after yeah. they're redeemed? Of course not. They're not going to you know? say it because, you know, the, it'll be the proverbial, well, it was in my past, and, you know, 
it was in my past and now well, you know well, I what broke you out of that cycle though like how did you all of a sudden did was it all of a sudden like yeah. light bulb was it a that's like what I broke that's I what know. I was trying to right, get at so, though. Yeah. So when I met my my now wife, um, it was two years after me and the separation between me and my baby mama. And the reason I want to go back to 2014 being my worst year, and I know we've been jumping around, but I need to talk about this. So in the relationship that I was with my baby mom, she was the second relationship, serious relationship I ever had, first that I ever had a child with. I had a family. I had a home. I had a woman that loved me until she found out I was cheating on her. And I uh, I did mean it when I apologized the first two, maybe one or two times I meant it. But then after that, she didn't trust me. I didn't care. She would attack me psychologically because she was going to school to be a psychologist. While I would never hit her in her face and leave bruises, still grab her by the arm, push her, things of that nature. And I'm not, and that's something that I am ashamed that I, I did because that was never me. I was never the type to abuse a woman. Only type that, you know, the only time that I would ever put my hands on a woman if I was going to make love to him. That's it. That'd be the only time I would be aggressive with him because it'd be like more or whatever. But never to like just punch him because that's what my mom went through. But for whatever reason, she would always bait me. And then when I opened up my past to her is when she started throwing that in my face. How am I supposed to combat that back? And I had plenty of people telling me to get rid of her. She was, but was I she could, saved? Was no. She, so but that, her family was. But you were unequally yoked. So now we were shacking. Yes. Jesus set you free. You told her of you know your past, and now she's going to hold that against you. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the relationship was already bad, and but I was under the impression that if I'm grown enough to have sets then I'm grown enough to take care of the family. And how would I feel back then as a man saying, yo, forget this, dog. I'm just going to go ahead and dip. Then I would be like every other bum that's out there who children never asked to be here and not be in their life. And it still ended up happening anyways. When she called the cops on me, I, um, I could have easily dipped. And the cop even told me, like, I saw when you were pulling out. If you would have just drove off, I would have been like, hey, I didn't see you. I don't know who you are. But why you did know, she call the cops? Because I had put my hand on her throat. I didn't choke her. Okay. But this is all I did. Like, I just pushed her back under the wall and I told her, yo, stop. Stop with the BS. Okay. And then I let her go. She told the cop that I strangled her and that she was within inches of her life and that she was blacking out. Oh. You know, she saw a white light. And, you know, before, you know, before she felt, she, she saw, then she saw the image of Genevieve. And that's what made her come back. Who's Genevieve? My oldest daughter. Okay. So, you know, I ended up, before that, I lost both my jobs. Then I get arrested. Then I get kicked out of my apartment that has an apartment in my name. So you were a security then, guard, you said, right? I was a security guard and I worked in a warehouse. And you got arrested. So you, you, I lost my license. I lost, oh. you know, I lost my security license. I lost wow. my warehouse job. Wow. Um... And then I got out of jail on my daughter's first birthday and couldn't see her. So then I was like, I really thought I lost it all. And on April 19th, 2014, I almost successfully committed suicide. Hmm. If it wasn't for her aunt calling my phone, talking about that I steal some pictures. 
Cara, of, of my daughter, has a sense of humor, mm-hmm. man. Of, of, wow. that, I, that I steal some pictures of of my daughter. Wow. I ain't steal no damn pictures, man. I stole the pictures. Yeah. So <laughs> after that, I cried. My mom came into the room. She saw my neck. Never said anything. She just hugged me. She was like, "Mijo, it's your birthday. What do you want?" I just want a number two from Burger King. I just want a double whopper, large, double whopper. It's um no pickles, no onions, extra fry, um large fries, large Dr Pepper. What was so that was my gift. I tried to strangle myself. Huh. I had my belt. I had um I had the belt tied up around my neck. I put the belt on the um on the headboard, and it was very sturdy. So then I just started. I was laying down. And I just started yanking myself. I just started yanking myself. You know, and just hoping that it would end quick, and it didn't because then, <laughs> right before I got to the second yank, um, that's when the phone, my phone rang. Hmm. It was like six thirty, six forty in the morning when I got that phone call. That was the uh, the you stole my, the phone. Yeah, that the, was the that picture was, thing? that was my baby mama's aunt calling okay. me. Um, <clears throat> and I told her no, and I still got them. Um, I told her years later I stole those pictures. Like I know, <laughs> but um, but now nah, then uh. After that, man, it was then I was on house arrest. Then uh, once I got off of house arrest, um, I went. I was on probation. And the day I got on, you know, the day after I got put on probation, I was on my way to report to my probation officer. And on my way driving there, I'm driving my car. I haven't drove my car in months. And I noticed that when I hit, when I'm the light turned red, I went to hit the brakes. My brakes weren't working. So I ended up flipping over. Went head oh, first into a head no. first into a tree, and the driver's side had a um had hit a, a light pole, mm. and I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And all I came out of that was with, with with little scrapes of glass, and I was freaking out because I'm late reporting to my probation officer. They're gonna cancel my probation. They're gonna send me to jail. The police officer called my probation officer on the scene as they admit taking me to the hospital. And like, don't worry about it. just come two days later. Don't worry. Come on Thursday. I ended up going on Wednesday the next day. So I had a friend who gave me a ride to me to report. Like you're here. And I, yeah, I got out the hospital and I'm here to report, you know, did the piss test, did everything I needed to do to be on probation. So then, like I said, 2014 was the worst year of my life. I don't wish that upon anyone, not even my baby mama. I don't wish that upon. So then when 2015 come around, I'm already on probation. You know, I'm still on probation, but I'm able to move now. You know, I ride the trains. I get around, you know, trains, bus, bike, whatever. And then one day I just felt like going to church. And then that was, I think, when when I really met you, like really got to know who you were around that time, Alvaro. That was when you started seeing me and then you started seeing why. Because I was still out, you know, I would... You know, do my thing as a as a unsaved guy, but what would be considered normal, not normal. But I work, do what I got to do. If I if I if I want to go see a prostitute or two, that was my thing. You know, I'm not hurting nobody. You know, I'm not. Well, I was, even though I was breaking the laws, you know, but still, it was an agreement between two people. It was consensual. Even if money was exchanged, it was still consensual. I didn't force nobody to do nothing that they didn't want to do. They didn't force me to do anything that I didn't want to do. But look, that what you said right there is the reason why we created this podcast because there's various images of what a Christian is. 
and you know we have discussed this type of stuff in well not this but like this topic of what it is to be a christian with with different people here in this podcast but there's a big difference man when you have an encounter with god uh and then the process of giving your life to jesus or to follow him and you know not everybody gets there you know the same but we all have to make that decision at one point in your life you know at one point in your life you have to choose man i'm gonna leave everything and i'm gonna follow him and until that happens you have all this struggle and, with the world and then this and that and it's all and, and then it got to the point where it was like man not that um one thing i would never do is blasphemy i would never say the words jesus ain't real God ain't real. That will never come out my mouth. I've seen too many things happen for me to ever do that. But in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm is either I'm gonna live for the world or live for God. And I I'm not doing it with God as far as living for him goes. So I'm just gonna continue to do the worldly things. And if you know, if it's my last day on earth, and, and if unfortunately that means I'm gonna be eternally separated from the Father, hey, look. I was already a expletive up anyways. So, you know, I'm like, you know what? I'll take my decision. If that's what got to be, then that's what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, mind you, that sounds foolish. But in my mind, I thought, what? Well, what else? Because I keep failing to be this man of God. You know, not what you see on TV with the suits and the big mega churches. Not that. The ones who are just, who die to themselves daily. And I would try to die to myself. And it was a struggle. It really was a struggle because, you know, and that's what it's supposed to be. But, but that, it's not supposed to be easy. But that's the you know? beauty. That's the beauty of it. Because, for example, like I've said the same thing. Like, man, I tried and I tried and I tried. And at one point, what God said was, you don't, you don't need to try. Just come to me and I'll change. And And then I started experiencing these weird things with God, which was uh, totally opposite of what I thought. Man, I have to do this and I have to do this and and I have to do this. And he was just like, no, just come to me. And then when you come to me, I will change you for being with me. And the problem with that is, and I've heard Serge say this many times, we think... In order to come right with God, I'm pretty sure y'all might have heard this too, but I know Serge used to always say this a lot. You don't need to try to fix yourself first to come to God. Just come. Just come. Yep. And allow him to really transform you. All you got to do is just show up and be willing. Yep. And, you know, there was plenty of times that I, in my heart, I felt that that's what I was doing. I felt that that's what I was doing. Well, to the best of your ability, yes. that's yeah. what you think. But that's why but, but, he gives you revelation in order to you know, expand. Let, let me put a little spin on this because, by the way, I don't know if you know, but Bert died. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, not only that, um, Cedric killed someone the end of last year. He took someone's life. But he's, you know, self-defense, he's good. But I guess I say, I'm say i saying that because we grew up seeing death like it was normal, <laughs> you know? the perversion, all these things. But um, Mike, when you hear this, 
Salvador talk about his life, I mean, isn't it mind blowing to you? Because to us is the norm, but to you, it's like well, I guess not too much anymore. Obviously, being around you guys this okay. long, you uh, know, of course, sharing yeah. all the experience and the stories. But yeah, we didn't. You know, I didn't grow up around that at all. He probably, right. he probably like man. You know, the most difficult thing I had to ever, you know, deal with in my walk of Christ was, you know. Do I give my next door neighbor this fish or, or not? <laughs> or not you know, or but, do, do I do I confess to him and tell him that I was angry at him for years because he stole my newspaper? My, <laughs> but is there anything that like, like uh, that he spoke about that you want to pinpoint and maybe ask more questions? Like, is there anything that? Well, I think you know where I can relate to you on the father topic is yeah, my, I used to watch you know my father you know beat my mom as well, and he was very abusive alcoholic and. Um, you know, he ended up dying of liver cirrhosis of, when I was 10. So watching like, you know, him go through that process, I was curious on like, you know, how you reacted to a father and how, you know. Him, I never, unfortunately, I never saw that. Never saw it. I just only seen what police reports of what, of my mom's face busted up, mm. you know, and the story of Detective Rodriguez, because at the time he was a responding officer that found my mom. For whatever reason, he just happened to be riding around the cane fields that night. And that wasn't even that wasn't even his um, or it might have been she found her on the street that was near the cane fields that he found my mom, mm. and you know, and so he personally told me the story because he was the officer that was on the scene when he was a um when he was a sheriff before he became a detective. So, how's your relationship now with your dad? So. I don't speak to him, not because of choice. It's not that, oh, I'm angry with my dad still. Um, because on his birthday last year, um, I wrote him a letter on through JPay. No, I was thinking 2022, because I think last year was the beginning. 2023 was the beginning with JPay. You couldn't use JPay no more. So it was under the, uh, on his birthday in, in 2022 that I wrote him a, um, a message. And I told him, hey, look, man. First things first, happy birthday. Now, I'm going to get this all off my chest. And out of respect to you guys, I'm going to really try not to cuss at all. I've been <laughs> trying for the, I'm still a work in progress on that. But I told him how, how I felt, why I didn't talk to him. Um, you know, I'm not going to go verbatim. Um, if you choose not to forgive me, <laughs> I'm fine with that. You can hate me or don't want to apologize, you know, don't accept my apology. I'm apologizing to you because I don't want to hate you. Now, these were conversations that I had back in 2015 of what I told what I would want to say to my dad if I ever had the opportunity to. But I never got to see him face to face again. So and I don't know. I was just at work one day. Once again, same way with my brother. Midnight came. Um... I was working at Walmart. Midnight came. I was on my break. I just write him happy birthday. I just wrote like a 20 minute. I like, I passed like five, 10 minutes after my 15 minute break, just writing them. And then after that, I think I went to a little spot, pride of what I just did. And then I think he read my, my message a day later. He responded like, man, I always love you. You know, and I, but I had to let him know why I stopped talking to him. And I told him just because what happened to your brothers and why you feel the way you feel don't mean that's how I was because I was raised a little bit different. How I was raised, 
the black community treated me more and accepted me more of their own than my own kind did. That's why when I said, man, to me, black women are the most beautiful women in the world. I ended up becoming attracted to a black one because of the black culture. I'm like, I don't want no Mexican wife. And no, not a knock to those who have one. And I'm not saying, and I'm not disrespecting Latino yeah, yeah. women for, at all. For you, for you, but for it was me, your experience. What yeah. my what my preference was based off of what I saw when I was four years old. And what I saw four years old with this beautiful little black girl that was in daycare when I was the only Hispanic kid in an all-black daycare in Belle Glade. And they all just loved me. And I'm like, man, it's cool. And then when I would hang around my own race, oh, you're you love the Mayates, or you, you, you're you're an inward lover. You know what? Yeah, because at least them, they treat me a lot better than you do. I don't want to associate now. Don't get this twisted either. I'm proud of my Mexican culture. I'm proud of the roots of my people. And I, you know, I know how to speak Spanish now. Más mejor que yo puede hablar antes. Yo pienso ahora mismo, si yo tiene que hablar español, I could do translation for Surge now. <laughs> Back then, no. <laughs> but, 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 put all that to the side. I'm proud of my culture and I'm proud of who I am. Amen. However, yeah. I feel more comfortable with a black woman now. I'm yeah. sorry, sir. So I wanted to mention because if there was something you struggled with for years and in my mind, I'm like, it's so simple. It's just trust God. You struggled a lot with uh, unforgiveness, man. That was your stronghold um, week after week, month after month, year after year. And it was like, I remember one time you couldn't accept God's forgiveness and I remember you were hitting yourself on, on the floor, the back of your head. I forgot what it was. You were bleeding. You were angry. What? When did it click? When did you finally say, I'm forgiven? I believe it. I trust you, God. And you accepted his forgiveness. It took pretty much now as what the man that you see now, not the little boy that you saw February 19, 2004 or after that. Because at this point, I know that if God has already forgiven me, why should I continue to punish myself? Either I can accept his forgiveness or don't. Just like how people, when I apologize to people, you can accept it if you don't. I'm not doing it for you. But I want you to know I'm acknowledging whatever wrong I did to you. I am sorry. I'm ashamed of what I've done, but I'm not ashamed of what I've done to correct it. So now, you know, once that finally hit me, it's like, look, man, I'm just going to trust you. Would it be easy? No. Perfect example. And thank God I was able to come here tonight. And I would have found a way to come here either way, one way or another. I would have found a way to come here. So I got fired from my um, from Walmart on Saturday. And, you know, they were already trying to get rid of me. They were just, they they said it was a, we saw you consuming merchandise, which the water that I was drinking from there, you know, they already had it in claims. And it was for the, the water that they would put for, um for like the people who work outside and for us to drink. It was already in claims, but they were already looking for a reason to get rid of me. So they called me like, okay, can you send that to me in writing? What do you mean? Yeah, I know my rights. Because I came from a Walmart store that trained, and I would, anytime they tried to 
stick it to me, I would always throw the hand, the Walmart handbook in their face. And they're like, oh, he's a smart one. Okay, so we'll get him if he get caught slipping, doing something wrong, and we'll write him up. And since I was already supposedly in the red, they were like, oh, there's nothing else for us to do but to terminate you. Okay. Anything else? So then I started looking for work instantly. My wife and I, she, you know, got on mine on Indeed and I was looking for jobs. And then uh, I already had multiple interviews lined up this past week. And I had an interview on Monday for this Jewish um, food distributor, which is warehouse for Jewish people who, you know, eat like kosher and stuff. And like all everything in there is kosher. I did the interview, had two interviews on Tuesday on my second interview driving home from the second interview for the job that I really wanted, they called me up, told me, could I start work that night? I'm like, it's an inconvenience. I got to go get my kids from school right now. You know, had you would have told me this three hours ago. Yeah. Okay, just come the next day. So in a span of three days, two days, I got I ended up with another job. Today, I went in at seven in the morning and got off at three because Jewish people, they don't work after a certain time so the schedule i have with this job now i work sunday through thursday all friday and saturday so you so, know mike mike wanted to so we were talking about wrestling you had a question for him earlier so i wanted to start that conversation yeah what's the, your obviously your your love of wrestling that's kind of what i've always known you you know to be Anybody um, that knows me. Knows so, you know, I, I grew up in the Attitude Era mm-hmm. of WWF before it became right. WWE. It was so annoying. I, I literally stopped watching it because it switched the name. It so, was so diehard of WWF. Because of the lawsuit. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. No. So Damn I grew up Panda. in that Attitude Era of, you know, and some mm-hmm. people in, in, you know, this is shared in the room. Some people believe wrestling is fake in this room. So I don't want to, you know. Okay. I don't want to, you know. Okay. But I always, I always compared wrestling to, so you guys understand, like a novella yeah. for women. Okay. So it's, it's okay. obviously there's some script to it. Right. But so there's I, real, I, I, but I there's never, real violence. Okay. So I never understood. <laughs> but there's what's real favorite, violence. What's a favorite movie? And I know you still watch secular movies. Right. So what's a what's your favorite secular <laughs> you're, movie? You're yeah. getting in the flesh. <laughs> I already know his blood pressure's going up. <laughs> no. So like, what's a favorite movie of yours or right. a TV show that you watch that you like? I'm asking. Um, but what? <laughs> yeah, there's a point I'm gonna make. There's a point I'm gonna okay. make. Okay. So I don't, I don't I don't know. You like Avatar? Avatar. Okay. Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. So in Avatar. Yeah. You know it's fake, right? Of course. But it's entertainment, right? Correct. You know there's a good guy. Right. You know there's a bad guy. Right. You know there's a storyline. Correct. And that throughout those two hours, right. it's taking through a story of good versus evil. Right. And in the end, either good is going to prevail or right. evil is going to prevail. Right. Pro wrestling. Well, pro wrestling. With, with a little bit of athletics. Right. Because... Right now, but, I can I can give you an open hand chop right now, and you tell me if that open hand chop right. I give you is fake. No, I know it's it's, but but I'm just saying in yes. general it's, it's it's fake. Like it's, Avatar is like a a real movie. What's, what's different <laughs> between professional wrestling? <laughs> what is like you look at a movie, you know okay. there's so, it's so, real. so what's di- okay? So it's entertainment, right? Yeah. So what's like different? sports? Basketball is a sport. Oh, yes. Football, and I was into Hulk Hogan. Uh, uh, what was the the black? What was the one? Oh, Junkyard Dog. Junkyard Dog. The, the even know, back uh, then, 
And we used to then, put the little belts on. We used to fake, I mean, wrestle also has kids. <laughs> and we had to belt and everything. But you already know who's going to win uh, in yes. wrestling. So, Again, it's no different. Yeah. Like you, could watch your mo- you could watch a movie, right. even if you haven't seen it. Right. You could still know, okay, yeah. we'll put it in this perspective. Yeah. When you read the Bible for the first time. Right. We all know who's going to lose at the end, right? Right. We all know whose name's going to reign supreme at the end, right? Yeah. Why would I need to read the Bible if I already know what's going to happen? Right. But yet you're still going to read. And, and, and as you're reading, you see all this. But no. my point is the Bible's real no, and but again, wrestling's fake. Again. So we're, we're trying to draw a line. I would say predet- is it predetermined? <laughs> is professional wrestling predetermined? Yes. <laughs> we just set you up, man. Look, this, 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 look, this is look, a joke, look. man. We're no, just no, joking. But, but it's funny. It's funny because, for example, when I first got to this country, I didn't understand a lot of the culture. Yeah. And I remember that I watched uh, wrestling and I started understanding a lot of the culture because of it. And the reason why was what you were saying. I ended up understanding is like, man, this is like a novella for guys. But guys yeah. are not about who love. Bandits. It's not like love and hate and yeah. this and that. No, Let's for guys, it's like. Solve our problems. Yeah, for, for guys, it's like, oh, we like, yeah. we like um, conflict. Uh-huh. We like uh-huh. power. You yeah. know, we like superpowers. We like uh, superheroes. And then you start understanding each and every one of those things. So, yeah. for example, I would watch and I'm like, Why, what are these guys doing? And then after a while, I would understand. Like, you know, they're having a, a, a match. And then as soon as you see that, 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 uh, that the rock goes like this and he grabs his, 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 uh, his little wristband here, you know, oh, you know what's coming. So yeah. that anticipation of what's coming is what gets everybody excited because yeah. you know who your superhero is and what yeah. they do. And it's really cool, though. I really understood a lot of American culture through that. Yeah. Hey, Mike, so quick question. Yes, do sir. you watch it currently? Uh, so my one of my employees do. So he, he keeps me up to date on stuff. All right, so are you familiar right now with the Roman Reigns storyline? Yes, and He's how been, The Rock is okay, trying to so take me, the throne. Or, or so let me just the, quickly yes. break this uh-huh. down to you. So Roman sure. Reigns has been undisputed champion now. Sure. For over three years, for over three and a half years now. Uh-huh. All right. He won the title September of 2020. He's been champion ever since. Right. He's been on this dominant reign. Already now headlining three WrestleManias as world heavyweight champion. Right. Right now, Cody Rhodes, who came back to the company after starting a brand new wrestling company yes, competition. Uh-huh. He came back. Yep. He still want to finish the story that his father, Dusty Rhodes, who never became WWF champion. Yes. He was former NWA heavyweight champion, but he never won the WWF championship. Right. And the one match that Dusty Rhodes had back in the 70s against superstar Billy Graham, he beat him, but he didn't win the title. Now you're going to my time. So now Cody Rhodes is going to finish the story since his father already passed away. Right. He's going to finish the story of a Rhodes holding the one championship right. in wrestling that they never had before. Yeah, see, it's which is WWF type. Great story so, so, so see, look, it's a story. That, it's a story. You know? And it's right. a build up. And, and, and it's a build. So now, so point. now this, so right. now coming up is the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. In order for Cody Rhodes to, to main event right. WrestleMania to wrestle the against the win yeah. of Roman Reigns, because he did it last year. He won the Royal Rumble last year. He came back from a pec tear. Mm-hmm. You can't fake a pec tear, especially if it's all, you know, Maybe, you know, in movies, you could put makeup on it and stuff like right. that where it looks bruised. 
But in real life, when you tear a peck and it's you see the blood all on your arm and stuff, and yet you still have a match 30 minutes because you can't do any more damage than what it is, and then you're off nine months, and then you got this scar, unless you get a tattoo scar that looks real, can't say that that's fake. You remember the Iron Sheik? Yeah. yeah. Okay. They used to get razor blades and slightly cut themselves, mm-hmm. so when they hit, the blood will come. That's so, called gigging. Yeah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, so I'm going to open up to you guys. I, I used to think that wrestling was real. What I mean by real, that, that, that you know, yeah, that these guys professional, yeah, they, they you know, that oh, that there's no way that they could be able to work with each other, yes, but it's no different than, like I said, again, you watch Avatar, right? The actors in real life, maybe yeah. they don't like each other, but right. when they're on set, they're professional. I guess yeah. what I'm trying to say when you watch football, you know, it's real, you know. Now, can politics get involved and, you know, with the betting and stuff? Hey, we need we need the heat to lose. So Jimmy got a broken ankle, whatever, whatever it is. Can it happen? Yeah. Yeah. But it's real. Like football's real. Basketball's real. Soccer. But wrestling's fake. (laughs) It's what I'm trying to say is scripted. You know, okay. now I don't find entertainment with that now. But then. Man, I'm telling you, we had the cardboard belt and everything, and it was because in in actuality, as far as WWE is concerned, it's always been a product that's been garnered to kids. Yeah, it's always been because, like, when I watched it back in the in the late '90s, um, I was a ten year old. That era that he's talking about, the attitude era, I grew up watching that in real time, where I would see real competition between. WCW and WWF and ECW as well, mm-hmm. where these different talents would leave one promotion to go to another for whatever reason. Now, what may happen in the ring is predetermined. Yes, they know it's a work. Of course, it's a work. You know, like again, when you're watching a, a Fast and Furious movie, they're not really going into space. Right. So the movie's fake. Why would I watch it? Right. And, well, it's entertaining. But you know you're what you're but, getting into. Exactly. Same thing with professional wrestling. You right. know what you're getting into. I got you. You know. I guess I grew up and you didn't. That's the difference. So 24 <laughs> years. Or with someone who was in the industry. Because yeah. I was. Oh, that's right. Let, they don't know that. Yeah. Uh, I actually was in the professional wrestling industry from 2016 to 2017. Wait, you know, we, we spoke and you were like, okay. uh, you, were I was selling, trained, I you were selling stuff and you were no, doing. No, this is more than just selling stuff. This was me actually being a part of the industry, working with a local independent promotion. Oh, cool. Here in Miami. But then also I got to be introduced to a lot of the stars that I would watch on TV. That's Other cool. than going to meet and greets, I would become friends and acquaintances with these, with these talents that I would see on my TV. And I actually had a professional wrestling match where I was training for two months and the trainer, the head trainer felt I was comfortable enough to have a match. And I had it in Clouston where I actually lived at that show. I had my, I I had my family. I had my best friend from kindergarten that was there. I had a few friends from school. My aunt got rest her. soul. my uncle, my cousins, they were there. Like, ideally, I would have loved to have my first professional wrestling match in my actual hometown of Belglade. But Clouston, I live there, and it's not far. So, hey, you know, bucket off my checklist. I'm no longer in the industry. You know, do I still watch it? Yes, for a while, I did a podcast where we would talk about professional wrestling. You know, until, like, the you know, the toxic fan base because I'm not a fan of one person or I don't watch this particular promotion because I favored this promotion 
and the tribalism that come with it. You know, I rather just watch wrestling with my fight with my eight year old daughter because she just see, hey, her favorite wrestlers coming to the ring right now. She likes her or she likes him. I don't like him. I want her to win. Bam. You know. Yeah, it's the purpose and, of it. And, and you know, anytime that I ever felt that way about wrestling, I would just go back to a wrestling match that I watched when I was 10 years old. And it reminded me why I love professional wrestling in the first place. <laughs> of course. So see how we veered off from one little joke. <laughs> now, Serge, yeah. let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, as you saw the process of Salvador, you know, like going through, hey, first time you met him, he was angry and this and that. What do you feel, man? Because uh, you get to see not only his process, but, you know, a lot of our processes and many other people. How do you feel about about seeing those beginnings and and probably like the process of, of seeing us today? Yeah, the in, fruits, in, in, the fruits yeah. of your labor, you know. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the the other half first. The, the, the part you guys don't see, I, I get to minister to people and they have overdose on drugs, alcohol. Uh, a lot of my homeless people have passed away. I've seen a lot be set free from drugs and go right back into it and have overdose and die. Um, gang shootings, a lot of people that I've ministered to, but very, I want to say very few I see um, successfully have a, a marriage, uh, successfully have a good job. And that's why I wanted to bring Salvador in. You know, I, I, I saw his life and He's just one of those that, statistically speaking, I didn't think he was going to make it, man. I really, really didn't. You're not the first and, to tell me that. <clears throat> but I seen you again, I, and I mentioned in, in the beginning, you went over that wall, and I don't mean the Mexican wall, the Trump wall. You went over that wall, man, that a lot of people just give up, you know? And when I see that, it brings joy to my heart because... As a minister, you really get to see a lot of people just fall off the bus, you know, and to see you um, with a family, man, it's just, it brings a lot of joy to my heart. I spoke to Charlie. Charlie um, was a young man that I met in the streets and he was dying, uh, smoking crack. I even got to videotape him and interview him. Yeah, the one from the document. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. he was going to die. And he just calls me the other day. He's like 260 pounds, you know, and just saying, Pastor, you know, I, I was going to die. I was going to die. And I want to call you. You would always be my pastor. I love you, man. And so for me, it brings joy to see, you know, you and Mike and Salvador and, you know, just all these men and women, women too, of God just to flourish and, and grow and you know, just pursue the things of God. It brings me joy because my ultimate, um, my ultimate goal is to multiply, not myself, a lot of leaders multiply themselves. And this is what I mean by this. If you look at pastors and you look at their lay leaders or lay workers, you're going to see that how they speak, they speak. And it, it is more, a lot of people in church they try to satisfy their pastors. My job yeah. is for you to always keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, um, that's why I never played that religious game. No, I'm, I'm your authority. And, and like Salvador was joking with me, you know, and 
um, you know, I, I don't get offensive. You know, I don't play the title game. I don't, you know, so to me, it just brings so much joy to see someone grow and preach the gospel and to follow Jesus without me. You know what I mean? So I taught uh, Salvador. I raised him up in the things of God. And now he has his family. He still has his personal relationship because it doesn't depend on me. So to answer your question, um, I don't have a relationship with my kids like I should. I don't have a relationship with my big brother, uh, my little brother. I don't have a relationship at all with... Uh, Another brother of mine, I have a sister. I have no, absolutely just no conversation, nothing. And to me, the body of Christ is literally my family. Like I, when I told you that I saw you as my son, I saw you as my son. There was like no filters. So that's why when you would call me, I'll pick up that phone. And I'd always give you that love. Were there times that I was frustrated with you? Absolutely. Any good father, you know? Cause I was, I'm experiencing that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, um, at the end of the day, man, you know, it, it, it gets to that point where you need to grow up and you need to be able to start doing things on your, you know, on your own with Christ. You can't just always depend on now in the beginning. Yeah. Of course, absolutely. It's always good to have a support system. You know, if you could find a couple of good brothers or good sisters of the faith, you know, in the beginning, yeah, but eventually, you know, was I think it's in the Bible where you got to stop drinking milk and you got to start eating meat on your own. Can't be, can't keep, you know, feeding in the beginning, but after that, you got to learn to do it yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I stand now, you know, Lord willing, and April comes out, see 36 years old. Uh, that's three more years that Jesus saw, you know? Where I've had people tell me, you know, I was wrong. I thought you were just going to be another statistic. I thought you were going to be dead. I thought you were going to be this horrible person that would have been in jail for the rest of your life. Thought you were going to amount to nothing. And I'm just too hard-headed to prove them right. I'm just too hard-headed. You know, and to God be the glory, I put, I keep God first. I know that any blessing or anything that happened in my life is because I'm where God wants me to be right now. Could I could I be working for a, a big wrestling promotion right now? Not necessarily wrestling, but just be in the industry, making a lot more money? Yeah. Could I be homeless without a family once again right now? And have nothing and and Serge see me on the street one day and you know, is that Salvador? And in in hobo looking clothes and and be like, hey man, I just need five dollars so I can eat. I'm not trying to, you know, get a fifth. I just really want something to eat. I could be that, but I'm not. I'm where the Lord want me to be because I trust where God has me. Is, is you know, I'm gonna be just that. Whatever I'm gonna forever acknowledge that Jesus is King, and that I'm nothing without Him, and I would never deny that. You know, I'll be honest with you. If the rapture was to happen right now, I'm probably gonna be left here, and if I'm left here, then I'm getting my head chopped off because. I will refuse to ever do what, you know, I will refuse to accept the mark. And I, you know, and if I got to get, if I had to learn the hard way to do it, then you know what? At the end of the day, I'm, I'm still going to say that Christ is king and you can never change my mind on that. You know, but hopefully I will be going up with the rest of y'all. 
I want to <laughs> reassure you of this. I mean, you have to know. I mean, and, and I can kind of still see that you're still struggling with uh, acceptance. You know, you're t- how old are you now? 30 what? 35. It's not that I'm struggling with acceptance. I'm like this. But I don't, you know, if you're left behind. I'm just saying, yeah. there's an example. Right. My thing is this. Yeah. The only acceptance that matters to me right. is God, my family, right. and the people that love me. Right. To those that who don't, right. hey, you can say what you want to say about me. Mm-hmm. You can feel how you want to feel about me. But the ones who I know matter, that's right. what matters to me at this yeah. point. Like, it's not that I have any doubt. I know that if I was to take my last breath right now, I'm going with the most high. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm just yeah. using that as an example. Gotcha. Because at the end of the day, now, mm-hmm. as a 35-year-old man, I don't, you know, I know who I am. I know what I am. I know I'm still that that little fireball in God's eye mm-hmm. that he first ignited the flame in 2004. I know that. Amen. And my only thing is now is that I only care about, I mean, I'm still going to show love because that's what Christ commands me to do. Can't be over here calling myself a child of God if me and you got beef. You know, or if I feel some kind of way about you, then maybe we need to correct that. Me and you need to have a one-on-one conversation like adults. And if we can't have a conversation, well, look, whatever I did on my end, I apologize. And I wash my hands clean from it because I don't want to give too much time on that when I need to be given time raising my kids. Amen. Or when I need to give time to be able to impart something into someone else's life right. the same way that it was imparted into me. Yeah. I, I, I can't waste time no more. I'm not 16. I'm going to be 36 in April. I got gray hairs now. You know, here and here. I got gray hairs now. You'll, my, you'll be my, joining the club soon. You know, we, we that's die, fine. We die our beer. Nah. <laughs> see, see, I, I learned to accept mine. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a little bit upset that they're now just coming now. Yeah. And they didn't come 10 years ago. Yeah. I wanted to have that OG look back then. But my thing is, at the the end of the day, I don't know if we're wrapping up or not, but if I could just end it with this, is that I'm forever going to acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Rather, if you got me on camera, say, I don't know what camera's looking at me, but whatever camera's looking at me, I will never deny Jesus Christ as being my Lord and Savior. You know, and it could be shown again and again. Am I perfect? No. Am I going to mess up as long as I'm in this flesh? Absolutely. But that's one thing I will never deny. Because I know that was the one who saved me when I accepted him February 19th, 2004. And it was a real introduction, not just that, well, you're going to say this, you repeat it after me, and you go along your merry way. Amen. So, Mike, in closing, any last questions? Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, where where are you at right now as far as, you know, are, are you attending a church? Are you serving in any aspect? Are you... Where, where are you at with that as, as far, far as me being at an actual church? No, I'm not. When's the last time you stepped foot on one or, or participated in any kind of, you know, outreach, anything? And pro wrestling does not. That doesn't count because then he can tell you April of 1964. <laughs> <laughs> the, ch- no, the church no. of pro wrestling yeah, is, yeah, not, is not, not counted. No, it's not even, to call no, you out no, or judgmental. No, absolutely. No, I just want to know. I genuinely want to know. I'm not going to a church. Um, because truthfully, and maybe um maybe I might be wrong in this too, you know, I was other than Serge's church, I went to a, a Baptist church that was here and was down in Miami, mm-hmm. 
Um, I went there to receive the word of God. I didn't care what others thought of me. And, you know, if they would see me on the floor worshiping, crying, and they're like, hey, bro, what, what's going on? <laughs> I'm there so that God can touch me and, and, and transform me. But the last time that I've physically been to a church was with Serge. Because truthfully, mm. you know, even though it's God, but I still trust him. And what I mean by trust Serge, it's not that he's my God because he's not. He's a human just like me. But he is someone that if I wanted to seek counsel to, I know that the Lord is going to speak through him. And I'm going to hear what I need to hear. Well, he's I'm not, I'm he, not going to be babied. He's always giving yeah. it to you straight. Exactly. So, yeah, you and respect so, that, so, from that. So I can't, so I can't really not say that I can't, but I just wouldn't feel right going to a church if I'm going to have someone who's going to have mittens on me. I need you to call me out on my BS. I need you to call me out. If you see me that, if you see that I'm doing wrong, I don't need you to baby me. I need you to be like, hey, I love you. And because I love you, this is why I'm rebuking you. And this is, and I want you to understand what I'm rebuking you for and why. Because I don't want to see you like this. But that sounds like an invitation for you to give someone else the chance to be able to do that in your life. I'm because, saying, because, yeah. because I, for example, I, I want I want to make sure that there's people in my life. I don't want to be around accountability. Is what you're saying? Yeah. True accountability. But yes. for, but for example, I remember when when Serge left. You know, we were in Wynwood, and then he left. You know, he was gonna go to Canada or something like that, and then he ended up going to Daytona or something. I remember he left, and we had something pretty cool in Wynwood though like I felt that that was something very unique yeah. I had never experienced anything like that he left and then I was confronted with the question hey are you following him or are you following me and I'm like oh wow like this is interesting yeah. okay cool so I'm following you so what's up and I started going to other churches especially building or mega churches and stuff like that which I wasn't used to we were in the streets And when I started going, I started, it was weird. It was very uncomfortable, but God wanted me to go through that because what I learned was, man, in this church, everything is super organized, but they study the word like big time. So I learned how to study the Bible from that church. And then I went to another church and then I learned something different. And then he came back and we had one God ministry. And then I learned something different. So every single person or every single part of the body of Christ that God has put me with, I've learned or they have given me something unique. And I tell you that in order to, to you know, open your mind about it because I went through it. You know what I'm saying? I went through, man, this is my jam, but am I doing my will or his? Amen. Yeah, because when I first moved here, after I got saved, I didn't necessarily, I would always go to Thursday, his Thursday services. But I had a church that I was going to. It was a non-denominational church, you know, and I started seeing more Spanish people speak tongues. I'm like, okay, this must be a Christ thing, not just a black thing <laughs> that they do in black churches. <laughs> so then I went to that. Then I tried going to Re Jesus, but I didn't feel in my spirit that's where I needed to be. And I think I became a member there for like two weeks and then I dipped. And then it wasn't until, you know, I feel more comfortable being outside the walls because that's how I was reached outside the walls and I grew up in the walls and not a knock and no disrespect please don't take this as disrespect at all 
if for beginning, if you feel like you need to go into a, a building, praise God. I, you know, just get there. Get there and really allow the Lord to truly transform you. In my case, I got to see what the disciples got to see back in the day when they were out in the streets and when they were rolling with Jesus himself. When the prostitute came and Jesus, you know, he, he cleaned Jesus' feet or when, you know, when he raised Lazarus from the dead or when he wiped the mud in the guy's face, he could see, you know, or when he called out the Pharisees, went in riding on a donkey, and then he went flipped the table inside the the, the 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 building, letting them know he's about his daddy's business or whatever, things like that. I relate that to what we did in modern day where we were out. Didn't matter what we had, I could have a fresh outfit on, and I'm over here hugging a crackhead who's dirty, telling me, don't hug me. Why? I'm going to hug you because, you know, God loves you, and if God loved me, and if it was me in that situation, and I'm receiving the word of God, you know, I'm not going to be ashamed. So don't feel ashamed that I'm over here talking to you, you know, showing you that I love you or that I was used to being out in the streets. And, you know, maybe one day I'll be back in the church, you know, and I'll be going back to somebody's church one day and taking my family there with me because now with the work schedule that I got now, I'm allowed at that, you know. With that said, so this Tuesday I preached at a street church. Right. It's really cool. Um, they It's on 16th place. It's by the swap shop, right? By the swap shop? Yeah. yeah. They set up chairs outside just like Wynwood. They put speakers and every other Tuesday I'm preaching there for the God willing for the entire you know year. Unfortunately, so, so with the new job, I work Saturday through Thursday. I'm off Fridays and Saturdays again because it's a Jewish company yeah. I work for. So, But I what guess. time you get off? I go to work at 5 p.m., get off at 1, 2 in the morning. Oh, okay. I still yeah. work nights. Um, gotcha. Well, just pray. Pray because um, it's it's beautiful that you're leading your family to wrestling and you're doing that as a family, but you also have to... Always know. keep it Christ first, absolutely. Yeah. You know, me yeah. and my kids, you know, I'm getting them to now pray at night. With, you know, I'll pray with them before I leave the work, you know. And, and you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see your kid pray, man. And, and, and you know... You know, the wife still a work in progress, but, you know, I know God placed her in my life because I needed to know what love was. I'll share this real quick, and then I know we got to wrap it up. So after my baby mama, I didn't be, I didn't want to love no one again. I didn't want to be in a relationship <laughs> again. I just, if I was going to be a single dad, hey, cool, I'll be a single dad. And then two years later, when the Lord felt like I was ready, he brought my wife into my life. Um, I put her through hell because I didn't trust women. I'm like, why do you really want to be with me? I felt like, what's the motive? What's the catch? Because you started talking to me after you had your after you had your child. Now you're talking to me. I'm not trying to play stepdaddy. And now that child right there is my eight year old daughter. That we're in this year in the process. Um, we're gonna go through the um the proper channels so that I can legally adopt her, so she can legally be my child. In case anything was to happen to the mother, you know. Yes, I'm the only father she knows. So while I didn't have my oldest daughter with me, God blessed me with a daughter that needed that needed a father to be in her life. And now she got a little sister. You know, and both those little girls, Kalani and Kalia, I love them. You know, to know how God loved me is how I love them. Hmm. You know, you know, 
I'm no way comparing myself to God. So make sure I want to make this perfectly clear. I am not comparing that. However, what I am saying is, with, you know, I'm a, I can only assume that the way that God loves me and wants to let me know that, hey, you're my child and I love you no matter what. It's the same love. Them kids, they can come to me for anything. They should never feel scared. If something happened, I want to be the first person you call so that way I know what I can do, my power to protect you. Christ is the same way. Come to me so that way you know I can do what I can to protect you. Just come to me. I, you know, I'm not here to hurt you. You know? Amen. So our job this year, 2024, is to make sure you get connected in a church. So we're going to have to hold them accountable. Make sure you get connected, man. We want to see you grow in the Lord. And whatever outreaches and stuff that, you know, we're going to be a part of, we're going to reach out to you, man. So you can get on fire for God and we can minister together, man. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for your transparency, bro. Love you, man. Love you too, sir. Love you too, man.